contempt. Colonel Jessup, did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. You weep for Santiago and you curse the Marines. You have that luxury. You have the luxury of not knowing what I know. That Santiago's death, while tragic, probably saved lives. And my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives. You don't want the truth because deep down in places you don't talk about at parties. You want me on that wall. You need me on that wall. We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. I have neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself to a man who rises and sleeps under the blanket of the very freedom that I provide and then questions the manner in which I provide it. I would rather you just said thank you and went on your way. Otherwise, I suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post. Either way, I don't give a damn what you think you are entitled to. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Gundam and MHQ. This is uh, one of your hosts, Neo, and always joined with me are Chris and Solbro. Guys, say hello to the millions and millions of fans out there. The millions and the millions. What's up, everybody? Yo. <laughs> so okay. And uh, this is episode 104. And in this episode, we're going to have two topics for you. We're going to uh, first one. We're going to be joined uh, by an MHQ uh, contributor and someone we haven't had on the show in quite a while. Uh, that's Armor NT. The last time we spoke with him was dealing with the uh, Code Geass years, and uh, th- he's going to be joining us uh, for our discussion of the first uh, Crossbone Gundam manga, and uh, he's going to touch upon some of the sequels after that. But we're going to have a quick, a quick um, discussion on that, on the, the greatest Gundam manga ever. So uh, stay tuned for that. And our second one is just going to be kind of a generic topic about some of the things that we'd seen uh, uh, from uh, the E3 conference and you know, just kind of talking our impressions of what the future of the video game industry is going to be. So that's going to be some fun stuff there. Uh, hopers and dreamers crushed, I, I would imagine. So, But um, got some news here. I got quite a bit of news because we took a little extra week or so. And uh, the first one here is from Gundam Type Zero, and this comes from the Animated News Network. And I'm actually surprised this is the first time it's actually happened. Uh, there's going to be a Gundam hotel room that's going to open near the 1-1 uh, statue in Tokyo, um, an Obadiah there. And it's a, it's a Gundam-themed room for customers to stay beginning on June 29th, and it's going to... Um, it's in collaboration with the Gundam Front Tokyo Entertainment Complex. It features a Earth Federation living room and a Xeon-themed bedroom. Mm. I guess the Xeon have more fun in the bedroom. No well, doubt. <laughs> yeah. Totally 84 square meters. 
of space. Uh, it's going to feature Gundam art on its wall, Gundam themed chairs. Oh man, could you have Bright's chair from um, from Char's counterattack? I wonder. Oh shit, that would be uh, awesome. Keys, towels, and more. And they're going to be able to order. Uh, visitors will be able to order from the Gundam themed room service menu. Oh man, can you can you t- top uh, Genocide Jello? That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, it's going to cost about 26000 You get an Operation British bathrobe. <laughs> With a patch on it. Garen had it right. <laughs> the jello will be green like the poison gas they used. Yes. Yeah, you have uh, posters on the wall of uh, Shepherd Fairy style Garen pictures. Yes. <laughs> oh. It's going to cost about twenty six thousand yen, which is about three hundred thirty dollars U.S. So um, it's it's not too bad actually. Um, it's there's a there's a Room G standard type that's a little bit smaller and a little bit cheaper. So um, definitely check that out if you're in Japan during that time. And uh, thank you, Mister Gundam Type Zero, for your submission there. Next one here is from uh, Dolo, and this is uh, actually just kind of interesting. Um, kind of a record here that has come up and uh, you know slurpy slight spike uh mm-hmm. steven j blum one of our favorite uh, voice actors well he just um as of may 10th of this year uh he has now made it into the guinness book of world records for the most credited uh appearances as a video game voice actor with 261 what so that's uh it's pretty cool. Definitely paying the bills there, you know? Okay. So um, thank you, Dolo, for your submission. The next one here is uh, from Vent Noir, and he's got a link to the Anime News Network, and there's going to be a Gundam Age PSP game, and there's a three-minute video on the link there. So definitely check that out if you're loving some uh, Gundam Age. So thank you, Vent Noir, uh, uh, Australia's number one criminal for that submission. <laughs> Um, oh, this is some good news. Um, this is coming from Nasty Nate, and we have a there's a there's a new game coming for the PS3, and it's free to play, and it's called Mobile Ops. Oh or actually, man! Actually, it's called Gundam Battle Operation, and it goes live <laughs> on June 28th. So, um, it, it, you know, there's a link there, and you can definitely check that out. And uh, I guarantee it's going to be Gundams with battling and some operations going on. So. Get out of town. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission there. Next one here is from um, Australia's most dangerous criminal, Mula Flaga. Oh. Uh, and uh, this is uh, from the Anime News Network. And, um, well, me and Chris call him Funimation. Solbro calls him Funimation. But they've announced... Uh, <laughs> The, the Fafner Heaven and Earth uh, movie is going to have a. They announced the English dub cast, so um, they have a list there. So definitely check that out. There's l- probably lots of favorites of uh, voice actors there. Uh, the movie debuted in theaters in t- December of 2010 in Japan, and uh, it's uh, adapted from a light novel uh, from um, uh, about Fafner. So. Uh, definitely check it out, and uh, of course, this uh, this license comes from the defunct uh, distribution company Genion. So, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure uh, the general will be pleased. Oh, 
I'm, ple- I'm pretty pleased, too. I liked Fafner. Uh, so thank you, Mula Flaga, Australia's most dangerous criminal, for your submission. Um, next one here comes from Burtman4, and this is kind of cool, but kind of weird in the same way. Uh, I'm just glad they didn't make a plushie of the Admiral. But uh, <laughs> if you go to Tumbo Pop, there's some uh, Cylon Raider and uh, Colonial Viper plushies. And, oh, they look so cute together as they look like they're about to kill each other and, and mutual genocide. Oh, and they cost about eleven ninety five each or nineteen ninety five for the set. They're 7-inch plushies. So they're uh, – what a great way. I, I'm, I'm just glad they didn't make a plushie of the Admiral because you can't, you, you can't do that to him. <laughs> There's, There's nothing adorable about that man. Uh, the only thing soft about him and his is his awesome past future mustache. That's the only thing that's soft. There you go. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> thank you for your submission there. Uh, another one here is from Wielder. And um, it's coming from the Anime News Network again. And... Uh, uh, there's a, a musician called Yoshishiki Fumiyama, and uh, on his official website, he's put some work on hold due to his health concerns. But uh, the reason why he's kind of important is because he's the singing voice of Ayabama. So um, there's some new stuff that's going to be coming in for um, you know some stuff that he's doing. So um, you know we wish him well because uh, you know we don't want you to die. So. Um, Thank you there, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes from uh, the Foul Sorceress. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is uh, some legal news, so maybe we can have uh, some legal analysts here from, from Chris. If, the uh, Foul Sorceress, <laughs> who I should mention, shameless plug, was recently on Chaos Theater. Ooh, look at that. Oh, yes. <laughs> to, to discuss Dragon Age, so check that out. The Foul Sources, who's from uh, I Thought This Smelled Bad on the Outside podcast. Check the podcast and, out, uh, too. And rpgamer.com. Yes, indeed. Well, in this lawsuit, ADV, everyone remembers them, sadly, uh, <laughs> has filed a third-party claim against uh, in, in the Funimation lawsuit. I guess there's a big uh, lawsuit uh, dealing with um, Funimation, the culmination of Funimation's illicit scheme designed to obliterate competition in the market for Japanese anime. Basically, what they're trying to say is, uh, is Funimation is a monopoly of Japanese anime. I just think uh, they're probably a better run company than those other companies. So. <laughs> Chris, I don't know if you know anything about this. Uh, any comments? Because you are like kind of the Alan Dershowitz of uh, anime legal stuff. That so. is an insult because... Alan Dershowitz is an asshole. So it's like, please, call, it's like calling me the uh, the the Jim Cramer of anime financial news, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so please so, don't so, do so that. Phone. So are you the are you the Jack Thompson of anime? <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick one. I'm just kidding. Man, that's Anything on this, Chris? I don't know if you have been following this story or care. It seems just kind of crazy and outlandish because uh, Monopoly has very specific legal meanings that are different from what the average person thinks. And Noah does not include some rich old guy in a top hat. (laughs) Or, Or a shoe or a hat. So the thing about a Monopoly is you would have to prove, and this would be pretty outlandish, and ADV would have to have some pretty solid evidence that um, Funimation was doing anti-competitive things 
like conspiring with all of the Japanese licensors to block uh, Sentai or Fizz or any of or Bandai before they went under or Media Blasters or any of these guys from being able to license stuff and trying to lock them out. Mm-hmm. Just because Funimation has grown bigger and bigger as a result of these other companies failing, that means they have a larger market share. It doesn't necessarily make them a monopoly. It's just yeah. they're run better than these other companies, and these other companies have uh, fizzled away. And the fact that Sentai scoops up just as much license, as many licenses as uh, Funimation does would seem to counter the notion that there's some kind of conspiracy from Funimation to block everybody else from licensing stuff. So it's pretty um, flimsy from the sounds of it. And they would have to have some pretty solid evidence of Funimation doing some crazy stuff, which I just don't think is going on. I mean, it's just it's a changing business. It's an industry that's slowly dying off. And, I mean, why would Funimation have to conspire to become number one when all their competition is just dying off on their own anyway? Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're number one because of the decisions they make and um, the, the shows they license and how they, just, how, how they uh, uh, make uh, uh, their, their revenue. Uh, it's, it's, well, they're, they, just better, they're just better run. Yeah. I mean, you know, the fact that they're able to uh, navigate through a downturn of demand and still able to, you know, turn a profit or at least, um, you know, have an effect in the industry doesn't mean that, like Chris said, that they're doing anything illegal. I mean, these other companies, they, you know, we see companies fail all the time. And when you're in niche markets like this, it's, um, you know, the, the, the rate of failure is even more so. And so, but, uh, of course I've been reading the comments and as I've mentioned before, people, who know nothing at all about the law are commenting oh, yeah. and saying stupid things. And mm-hmm. uh, it seems to be now it's now we're back in the late 90s and it's the in thing now to hate Funimation again. Damn. <laughs> so you have a bunch of people um, hating on Funimation saying that they hope Funimation loses uh, because they hate them or hope that they have to pay out so much money that they go out of business. And it's like, come on, guys, really? Seriously? You're just so freaking ignorant. You're so caught up in your fanboy bullshit that uh, what you want has no connection to reality. Yeah, exactly. They, well, they, they, want, they, don't want, they want Funimation to go out of business so that we don't get anime um you know, as much as we do now, I mean, it's less than what we used to get it. But they're, they're the ones that that led the Dude, that led the fan, charge fan, on streaming. Fanboy logic, fanboy yeah, logic. That's no, all. Fan, there's no argument for it. There really is it. <laughs> well, and and, and uh, I mean, probably my last comment on this too is you'd have to realize that all of these companies that are suing them are now in bankruptcy proceedings, so they have to pay off creditors. So they're probably just trying to get whatever they can and maybe hoping that just Funimation will, you know, settle out of court so at least they can get a few bucks to pay off any creditors that they have. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's dumb and, and, you know, uh, equating to this to something like what happened with Standard Oil, which was, you know, the original monopoly, uh, is kind of (laughs) silly. So, but, uh, Foul Sorceress, thank you for your submission there. Uh, next one here comes from Nasty Nate, and uh, this is some interesting stuff. Uh, the Gundam Seed Destiny PS Vita game. Uh, top this shiny. Er, it was on. The, it's on the PS3, the Vita, and the 3DS, and uh, it has. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure it's only on the Vita. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm reading the article wrong. Thank you, uh, Larry King in the house. Uh, the 
Gundam Seed <laughs> Battle Destiny PS Vita game sold more than 40,000 copies in its first week in Japan. Doesn't mean much to us, but, you know, it's kind of cool to hear. So uh, maybe we'll get that one of these days. Don't hold your breath. Um, Doesn't have so, Dynasty in the title. Not happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission there. Uh, next one here comes from ooh, a, submit, a submitter, Chris. And uh, it's... Yeah, huh. and, and and his article here. There's some. Remember uh, Gundam Battle Operation that we talked about earlier. Yes, that indeed. new game that's coming in is free. The, the, to, the rebirth <laughs> of Mobile Ops, the oh, glorious oh. game. Mm-hmm. And it was free to play. Well, maybe not so much. Uh, there's oh. some pricing detailed, and uh, the the submitter here goes in news that surprises no one. Gundam Battle Operation is a free minimum, free free minimum scam. <laughs> <laughs> a freemium, <laughs> freemium scam. Well, let let me Woo. clarify upon that because I never expected this would be a free to play. Oh yeah, game. Yeah. I mean, I I expected it would be the standard thing you would expect from this type of game where you have to buy upgrade parts or new mobile suits. Mm-hmm. No, they have something far dumber in mind. Oh wow, you have to buy energy. Yeah, works out twelve and energies each, per day. <laughs> each oh. each uh, each play is one energy, and you recharge an energy at the rate of one every two hours. But you can only hold a maximum of three. Yes. Wow. And they sell you various packs of energy, with the biggest pack running for about eighteen hundred yen. So if you planned to play this game for a long period of time, you would very quickly spend way more. Than if it was a fully priced retail release. <laughs> yes. That is out, outrageous, man. God, it kinda, I am not kinda, gonna kinda, buy, I'm not even going to waste the download for some energy crap game. I mean, this is just so of, typically Bandai. Well, kind of reminds me of that, uh, that Xbox 360 special they had not too long ago. Where it was, was it the $100 uh, 360? And yeah, with a two-year contract. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the two-year contract of life. Wow. I heard about that bullshit. God dang it. This is even dumber than that. Welcome yeah. to the future, gang. <laughs> oh, Bandai, so clueless. Jesus. So, so clueless. Well, Nasty Nate, my apologies for that. I thought we almost had it, man. We almost had uh, Mobile Ops. I, I might just have to pass up on playing this one. That sucks. Oh, well. Yeah, you weren't going to play it anyways. I was going to download it. <laughs> it's not playing. Oh, well. Well, thank you for that submission, Chris. And the next one here comes from uh, Innate Dude. And this is kind of weird. Some guy made a, it's coming from CNET, some guy made a thousand pound robot wine rack. Ooh. So, um, yeah, I think it's kind of scary looking. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Holy and I'm like, sh- yeah, wow. I, I don't necessarily, it's like going at, it's like, can you grab me a bottle of wine for dinner? It's like, ah! <laughs> and things like almost nightmare fuel. Yeah, I, I kind of give the guy credit for trying to make something, but it's a seventh. It costs him seven thousand dollars. It holds thirty-two bottles of wine. It's a thousand pounds and features an array of mock armaments. So, um, yeah, a little freaking weird there. So, uh, thank you, <laughs> Mister Innate Dude, for your submission there. Uh, next one here comes from. How much more damn news is there? <laughs> Oh my god. Well, you don't want to know about the no. TV anime of Capcom's online game Inex Saga that's been announced. Oh boy, tell wow. me more. Well, I don't know how much I can tell you, but it's been official to the website Capcom. This is Capcom. Mm-hmm. 
me. Uh, has announced <laughs> that TV anime of the online action RPG Enax Saga is coming around. So it's a fantasy battle action RPG. So, but the game hasn't itself hasn't fully been launched yet. So I the, am so excited! I cannot <laughs> wait to play this game. When will it be available for me to purchase and play? I don't know. Ask Osobro. Please tell me more. I have no clue. Gets, he, he, gets, <laughs> he gets the direct download from uh, Capcom. Do I? Please tell me more about this glorious Capcom game. I must know more. I am Actually, so excited. I cannot I hide. I'm so excited about this. I bet you'll like the fact that there's, and this is coming from uh, Gundam Type Zero, there's a new SD Gundam G generation game for the PSP that's going to be released in September 27th. Because so. there haven't been enough G generation games yet. <laughs> they're, 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 and this is going to have suits from Igloo in it, though, from Igloo 1 oh, and nice. Igloo 2. And oh, I'll get my Space Nazi on. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Got your Space Nazi on there. So uh, definitely uh, check that out. And just a few more articles here. Nothing big. Another uh, game stuff is, um, this is from Nasty Nate. And the PS3 is going to have a Eureka 7 AO hybrid disc has been dated. And it's the release date is going to be September 20th. And it's going to be an action game that lets you control the mecha from Eureka 7 and its offshoots. Uh, and and it, because it's a hybrid disc, it's got a bunch of bonus features. You have 80 bonus minutes features. of 80 <laughs> minutes of footage, including a look at a premiere event for the Eureka 7 game and dialogue with the voice cast. Ooh, awesome. <laughs> and limited edition version will include a special box and a script and the Eureka 7 archive. Ooh, that sounds Ooh. just so <laughs> great. But um, thank you, Mr. Nasty Nate, for your submission. Next one here is from Vent Noir. Uh, since Laplace's box is dead as, uh, well, oh. <laughs> as dead as disco, um, we are now your... We're, this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is some model news. Remember the Gundam Models World of World Cup we talked about a few episodes ago? Yeah. Well, there's some rounds that are going to be held at Anime Expo this year. Um, there's going to be at a Taco Con and New York Comic Con. So... If you're at those events, uh, definitely check that out. You'll get to see the best of the best of uh, model building. So uh, last one here is from Gunna Type Zero. And there is, because it's the 30th anniversary of Macross, they've released a seminar show that is uh, going to have Instructor Cheryl talking to you about the history of Macross, spanning from Super Dimensional Fortress to uh, Macross Frontier. And it's going to recall select scenes uh, from series and stuff like that. It's going to begin airing on Mondays uh, from 10 to 10.30 p.m. on July 2nd on a Tokyo MX channel. So I'm sure we'll be able to... I, I only care about this if it's naughty, Instructor Cheryl. Oh, man. I, apparently so, you guys are hot for teaching. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, and, and it has to be the specific setup of naughty instructor, naughty instructor Cheryl has called you into her, her office because your your grades are bad, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna fail the class, and she wants to know uh, what you're gonna do about it to get your grades up. Yeah, no, that's uh, that that would be the unofficial, unauthorized uh, hentai that's probably floating around the interweb. Uh, <laughs> I, I've just described like fifty percent of all porn <laughs> and hentai and hentai. Yes. So. Uh, but yeah, that might be pretty cool. So uh, definitely check that out. And thank you, everybody, for your submissions. 
And if you ever have any submissions, take a vote to the NEO's Listener Submitted News Articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum in the Gundam section. So, uh, Chris Solbro, uh, anything before we move on to our first topic? Because that was a hell of a lot of news. I do just want to say, uh, since, since you brought up Laplace's box... Uh, for those who have not heard, yes, uh, Laplace's box is canceled. I'm not going to go into all of the reasons about it again. There's there's a post there in the forum. And uh, I just want to reiterate, lest any chicken little start running around, uh, that it's the end of MHQ. This <laughs> does not affect in any way, shape, or form Gundam or Chaos Theater. Yeah. I mean, sometimes things just don't work, and you got to move on. So Sometimes you gotta you got to make business decisions and... Uh, Show's canceled. Um, there's no problems, no uh, no hard feelings. I just had dinner last night with Andres, so you know everything's cool. So it's just uh, the end of the show. You got to make business decisions sometimes, and this was one of those decisions. Well, well props in for the episodes that, that, that you guys were able to produce, and um, yeah, who, I guess who knows what the future will bring. But uh, yeah, I'm sad to hear that. Okay, that's that. <laughs> Anything else before we move on? All no, right. I'm good. <laughs> All right. We're, uh, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. That's going to be at East Coast Throwdown, along with a bigger throwdown. We had talked about Fnatic just a moment ago. He's going to be going up against, I guess, the second best Magneto player in the country, according to Yipes. First of all, your Magneto can stay. Oh, is it? Yeah. I got a question real quick. I got a question real quick. Can you beat anybody that's good in this game, bro? Can you even finish your combos? Can I finish my combos? Have you seen me play recently? You probably saw everything. Yeah, yeah, all right. I drop everything. So let's see how much combos I dropped. What happened with a gnome last night? What happened with a gnome? Let's see how much combos I dropped when we played. That's it. Okay, yeah. We're going to see how much money you drop into my bank account. That's what we really going to see. If money comes on the line, you better recognize who you're talking to. You can think you got the best whatever you want to, but i tell you what I got the best. I'm going to have the best pocketbook when I'm done taking the money from you and every last one of your homeboys that believe in you blindly. And you don't walk away from this thing and, well, it's all right. I still got a better Magneto. And I'm going to say, yeah, your better Magneto got body from my better fundamental. I got a better Magneto, better Beyonce, better sense of Jamal. You, do, you will not compete. This is about to be free. I can't believe you even think that you have the audacity to think that you have a shot. Um, I hope ready for it. Yeah. prepared for the aftermath. Two grand, and that's on the table. Sponsors have already been uh, put the put the money Show down. Show the guap, man. Show the guap. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of guap going off. It's <laughs> a lot of guap swapping. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. 
And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Happy birthday. How to say? Well, you could say thank you. Thank you. Gun damn it, Jim. What the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. It's time to uh, talk some Sun Gundam Pirates, and I don't mean uh, Basidian. <laughs> not not doing age here, not this time. No, no Captain about... Ash. No, no Captain Ash. <laughs> talking about the original Gundam Pirates, Crossbone Gundam. Oh, oh, man. So today we're talking about the original Crossbone Gundam series, and we're joined... By special guest Chris, aka Amaro NT1 from our forums. He's our resident uh, crossbone expert. Ooh. Apparently. <laughs> well, in, in fact, since you wrote all of the profiles and you just colored all of the line art for us, that qualifies you, I think, as expert. <laughs> That's, that, that does. Yeah, I suppose. High level expert. So, welcome back to the show, because the last time we had you on was many, many, many years ago when we started talking about Code Geass. Yes. A long time ago. Like, like in the, uh, I think even before we reached episode 50. Jesus. That, that's back <laughs> in the crazy days when we were reviewing all of these shows and doing these 504 episodes. What the hell was wrong with us? I don't know. We were crazy. <laughs> we were young. We were stupid. Well, we were drunk off all that mecha anime that was coming out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's actually kind of funny. I was here for the F-91 roundup, and now I'm here for Crossbone. <laughs> Who knew you'd be back for this? <laughs> uh, me, because I asked him. <laughs> so, uh, we've mentioned Crossbone Gundam in passing many, many times in the past, but we've never actually gotten around to talking about it, so... Mm-hmm. That's uh, what we're doing today. So we're talking only about the original six-volume Crossbone series from the mid-90s that was written by Tomino himself and illustrated by Yuichi Hasegawa. So what's the story of Crossbone Gundam? We're just going to go into a brief synopsis and then our individual comments on it. So basically, we're in UC-133. Mm-hmm. And it's been 10 years since F91. And unfortunately, there is no more Cosmo Babylonia for all of those space aristocrats who wanted it. Oh, damn. Damn. <laughs> I enjoyed being the space 1%. Come on. <laughs> exactly. So Crossbone Vanguard only now lives on as the name of a group of pirates. So our story is about a young lad named Tobiah Aranax, mm-hmm. who is on his way to Jupiter as an exchange student. Mm. 
but he unfortunately ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, finds out, hey, Jupiter is actually full of a bunch of crazy people. <laughs> really, really crazy people who are fanatically devoted to their leader, Crooks Dogaty, and have uh, identification numbers tattooed on their hands and mm. are just generally psychopaths. Jesus. <laughs> so through various convolutions, he ends up with the Crossbone Vanguard, which is commanded by Barona, a.k.a. Cecily Fairchild. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have two Crossbone Gundams piloted by Zabine, who now has a patch on his eye. Mm-hmm. And yeah, was that uh, Oh, that's right, he did. Yeah, he did. Trying he's to keep got track long of my hair now. Patch, guys. Yeah, he's now he's got, got long, long hair. hair. Damn space hippies. <laughs> and uh, their first unit, which is piloted by Kinkato now, a.k.a. Seabook Arno. Oh my god, spoilers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm basically... Sure I'm sure Seabook's enjoying himself because for the first time in 10 years, he actually knows what the hell is going on. <laughs> Finally. Because <laughs> who knew what was going on in F91? I mean, let's face it, in F91, what you couldn't see every time the camera was off him, he pulled out the script and flipped to her and said, What page are we on now? <laughs> now he's actually got the script, so. And now he's, and now he's, not, he's not the stupid Gundam kid. Thank God. So. The Jupiter Empire, of course, is evil, and they plan to take over Earth, and the Crossbone Vanguard is trying to stop them. So Tobiah becomes a mobile suit pilot. He and Seabook go on an infiltration mission to the Empire to find out the location of where Krushtogati is. They uh, end up launching an attack on his base, and uh, they're about to be like, hey, all your base are belong to us. Mm-hmm. But then Krugstorgati springs a surprise on them. Oh, I made a bunch of biomechanical clones of myself. I'm going to blow up this base. <laughs> so th- then we have them chasing the uh, Jupiter forces to Earth. But there are some setbacks along the way. Uh, Tobiah gets captured, but he then escapes after a gladiator match against the Crossbone X2. Mm-hmm. Following uh, Zabine's betrayal and defection to the Jupiter Empire. So, in the end, we get to Earth. Uh, there's some battles in Earth's orbit. And uh, the true goal of the Jupiter Empire, of the crazy Dogati, is to completely annihilate Earth because we don't need it. <laughs> and this will be accomplished by just spamming the planet with nukes. Oh. And well, as usual, the, nukes, com- you use them. The, Otherwise- the completely gullible Federation has been tricked again. Again. <laughs> like, this giant ship shows up from Jupiter with a bunch of mobile suits and some weird old guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, let's be friends. Sure, no problem. I'm real cool. Look, look at my advanced technology. We're not going to use it against you. Just, well, let's just stop and think about that real quick. We're talking about the guys who, like, 60, not, not 60s, okay, like 60 years before that, they said, okay, Char, if you promise not to drop a big space rock on us, we'll give you a bunch of gold and a big space rock. And Char said, oh, that's only 40 years. Okay, yeah, so that's, 40. yeah, not Char that long said, ago. Char said, okay, and then he dropped a big space rock, and they were like, dude, come on, we had a deal, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, we had a pinky swear, come on, man. <laughs> we swore. Come on, man, we were, I thought we were spit brothers. <laughs> so... In the end, it comes down to a big final battle between the Crossbone Vanguard, 
uh, some of the Federation forces, old mobile suits from the colonies, and Tobiah using his spiffy new crossbow Gundam X3 to take down Dogati and his hideous bird mobile armored nuke shooting thing. Yeah. But in the end, he does, and peace is restored, at least until, you know, 20 years later when the Zanskari show up to screw oh. everything up again. Oh, damn them. <laughs> Those kooky space fanatics, they just can't, you can't keep them down. You what, can't it, keep them it's like, it's like uh, whack-a-mole. <laughs> like whack, 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 whack a fanatic. Whack a space, space fanatic. Pretty much. <laughs> you know, the, so, Federation, the Federation's got to feel like the maid. You know, I just cleaned this mess up. Can it stay clean for 20 years? <laughs> so, Amaro, uh, your thoughts on Crossbone Gundam? Ooh, on the whole, or? On the whole, the, the original series. Hmm. It's worth noting that Crossbone came out, first came out, 1994. Mm. This is right after Tomino went to Sunrise and said, I'm tired of you guys meddling in my stuff. I'm getting out of here. You can have Gundam. I'm going to go make a show about bio-robots that dance the monkey. <laughs> so this, is, this whole series stretched 94, 97. So it's the period where he was supposedly having his big breakdown. He was just sick of Gundam and all that. But it's interesting to note that his revenge seems to be writing a story completely free of interference from toy companies and sponsors. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing and a bad thing. Ooh. The story moves at its own pace. It's, it's got a good pace. The characters are really fun. I, I, I'm really fond of quite a few of them. You know, gotta love Kincaid because he's C-Book, but actually smart and savvy. <laughs> Tobia is incredible because he takes the basic concept of Universal Century Gundam pilot headbutts it in the face, and then runs off and kicks its butt in his Gundam. Because <laughs> he's smart, he is angst-free, he is very quick-witted, and he's got a very positive attitude. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't think making it, being a new type makes him a god. Yeah, And he apparently and, has no problem uh, planting explosives anywhere to suit his own needs. <laughs> and, and he's totally willing to punch a bitch if he deserves it. Yes, yes he is. <laughs> and then cut his arm open and bleed on top of her. Unfortunately, Damn. he missed the golden opportunity to follow that up with, I am a man! <laughs> uh, there's just a lot of great characters. In addition to them, you got people like Grandpa Uman, who is the coolest old guy to pilot a mobile suit ever. Yes, he is. He's awesome. And, and But then you get to the, some of the flaws. Just The storytelling kind of lags in places. Like, Volume 5 mostly feels unnecessary because it deals with the fallout of the Vanguard getting destroyed by the Federation. Mm-hmm. But it's before they go into the final battle, so it's mostly just a stretch where Tobia, Bera, and Bernadette, who is Tobia's love interest, are on Earth. And they kind of spend a chapter doing nothing, building character a little, and then they get attacked by the Jupiter Empire special team. Mostly, you kind of lose some momentum there a little bit, coming off yeah. of what happened right before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it kind of drags. The other thing, what you kind of learn when it comes to the toy sponsors is, you know, they do force things. They, they want their deluxe action playsets. But at the same time, it's kind of a control because Crossbones got some incredible robot designs. You know, people love the Crossbones because they are distinct and unique. You've got the Flint, which is probably the best mass production mobile suit ever. Yes. (laughs) And you've got some really interesting, fun things. And then you've got the Jupiter Empire. It's kind of this weird transitional phase between the old Crossbone and the Zanskar. But there's really nothing memorable in their forces. The closest you get is the Batara, which is your standard Zaku clone. But other than that nothing i mean they're just hideous monstrosities with a they're, they're bizarre oh. 
nautical theme and lots of Spanish names. They're ugly without the charm that some of these traditionally ugly mobile suits have. Just yeah, no one's going to be clamoring for a master grade Vagon or a Diona. Hmm. Not with the Jewel you got there. H G U C Divinidad. Hey, I'd buy. I would buy a model kit of the Divinidad. That thing is freaking badass. It'd probably no, be a, huge, like that that one forty four Dendrobium that costs like two hundred dollars. Oh yeah. man, that thing is massive. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, a lot of Crossbone's popularity back in the day stemmed from the fact that not it wasn't forbidden fruit. It was just it was the, the unreachable dis- fruit. Yes, the distant thing that you heard about from a friend of a friend. I mean, I heard about it from a friend who heard it from a friend, and you know. It, it's he made it out to be the best thing ever. Of course, in all fairness, he got some details wrong. Like for a long time, he thought the Death Gale team was the Death Girls. Oh, <laughs> didn't oh. bother didn't bother explaining why there was a grizzly bearded man on the team. <laughs> but let's be honest, you can easily mistake Gary for a woman, at least until he grows up in Steel Seven. Mm-hmm. But, he does look rather girlish, but the fact that he looks girlish but isn't outright as girlish as Rosemary yeah. is anime logic to tell you he's a guy. Yeah, he's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, how can you be as girly as Rosemary? She wanders around with her suit, suit zipped down to her navel and a pair of basketballs up front. Nope. <laughs> hey, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Hard to beat that. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, Crossbone kind of got this reputation as being this distant, amazing thing that was never going to come out here, possibly because Hasegawa's very line light low detail art style for characters mm-hmm. so it kind of built up this reputation people thought it was this amazing thing but then when it started getting scandalated by guys like Deacon over at Zionic, they were like that's it yeah well it had this sort of mythos built up over the years yeah. and I think it's, it's the same is also true with Sentinel mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, because it's not in English uh, it's this vague unreachable thing and it just must be so super awesome and then we can't have it and I think also a lot of people make this mistake of they, they, they read Crossbone Gundam and they think Space Pirate Harlock Gundam, <laughs> which is not at all what it is. Not, not by no. far. No. You know, um, the, the Jupiter Empire is like just until maybe the Vegans are the most like fanatical, crazy, insane and also boring villain faction in Gundam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they do try to set up some sympathy with first early on volume two Kincaid and Toby are infiltrating colony. You get to meet some civilians mm-hmm. and you get to meet the Rambo Rall slash Andrew Waltfeld of the series Barnes Garns back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get the idea that their main issue is way out in Jupiter. They have nothing. There's no air, there's no water. So they're extremely strict with their resources and they really want to get their hands on earth's resources because they think the Federation's a bunch of greedy jerks who don't know what they have. But then they kind of forget about that because you just get Dugachi who he just wants to nuke shit. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard to use the air and the water of the Earth when you've got eight walking dirty bombs and you're just dropping on the planet and seeing what happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do see some sympathetic characters like Barnes, who, as you mentioned, plays the, the Rambo Raw role, but he gets to live. Most of the focus ends up being then on psychopaths like uh, Dogati and Karras. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and the stuff that they do, like... Um, when when Cecily sets free all of the captured soldiers and then they're instantly executed for being weak and wasting their precious mobile suits. It's just it's more signs of insanity than more signs of sympathy. You just, uh, at the end of the day, uh, they're, 
they're, they're 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 colored in such a villainous light that you just whatever level of sympathy you could have for them is just completely erased because. But of even their then, though, I feel more sympathy on the outset for the Jupiter people than I do the Vegans because the Vegans have just been utterly unsympathetic up to this point where we are. So mm-hmm. even then, go figure. <laughs> but uh, then you got some other elements that are just kind of tired old stuff like. Uh, cute young girl Bernadette. Oh, she's actually Dogati's daughter. Oh, boy. Mm. We, haven't, we haven't seen that before. Mm-hmm. And he has, uh, it gets, has, it, has to try to kill her. You know, sends her out in a mobile armor try, and is like, I don't care if you die or not. And she's like, Dad! Yeah, or, or the other stupid thing with her is, I know there's some good in him, even though he's a crazy psychopath that's like half machine now. I know there's some good in there. I can reach him. Okay, sure. Yeah, unfortunately... I found that uh, a lot of Bernadette's role in this series was just sort of being a, a Shakti Mark II. Uh, or that, or be you know, just being naked. shuttled back and forth, oh. kidnap, rescued, kidnap, oh, rescued. I'm going to stay behind and convince my dad to stop this craziness. Or, or, <laughs> or on, just. Shakti Mark, uh, hey, come on. Let's not say things we can't take back here. Shakti Mark II, that's a little harsh. <laughs> well, maybe Porto <laughs> Shakti, since this is set before victory. But she gets, I mean, they're not the same character, but they serve sort of the same function of princess who's being constantly kidnapped and re rescued <laughs> and naively thinks that she can convince crazy people to not be crazy yeah that and and that and to just uh be naked every other volume you know <laughs> take yeah. a bath with cecily and then and then for whatever reason when she's with the jupiter people they just show an overhead shot of her floating in a pool naked i'm like whoa hey, I, three bath scenes there are three bath scenes in crossbow the the pay, and then there's, the, an, then there's the, another the couple of bears are going crazy <laughs> this is something you, this is something you learn if you ever read any of yuichi hasegawa's other work like Maps or what else does he got? Chrono Eyes, Dying Hooker mm. Burn. He's kind of got a thing for the little girls. Wow. <laughs> well, geez, he's Japanese. He, he was, I, I mean, was going to say that. Well, <laughs> way to go, Dio. Remember, everyone, any comments about that? You know, it's gmail.com. I'll be honest with you. You can say what you want, but uh, the, the proof's kind of in the pudding. Well, uh, you can say you can say, <laughs> anyway, I can say it. Jesus Christ, man. Remember, neomhq at gmail.com. Oh, man. I guess he was a more, Moe for, front, a forerunner before, uh, before Moe became a huge thing. <laughs> well, don't, don't forget, she only looks untrained. She's, only, she's actually about 16 compared to... Everyone, just, everyone it's in his, his art style. Yeah, his art style. Like, everyone looked ridiculously young. Like, look, oh, at, uh, look at Cecily and, um, and Seabook. They're in their late 20s, but they look... Teenage, younger than yeah. they did in '91. Yeah. Oh, that's Cecil actually like in her in her first shower scene. <laughs> she's sort of gloating to herself that she can still pass as 20, even though she's 28. Okay, and that was her. indicator right there. She doesn't even look 20, let alone 28. Yeah, she didn't look 20. <laughs> that's zero G. That's that zero G beauty. Uh, <laughs> but the, but the whole point is, Bernadette's worthless <laughs> in this in this mod. She's just there. She's just there for him to love for. Uh, Toba to love it, to have a love interest. So uh, yeah, she I'm, does get better, but that's the sequels. Any mm. uh, any other comments on uh, Crossbone in general? Mm. Well, I'm just trying to think of other little things. The, well, the ones... you can pop in. You can pop in once once they come up. But uh, yeah. moving on, Sobro, your your comments and impressions on Crossbone. Oh man, I get the I get the baton. All right. Um, I I I heard about Crossbone Gundam for quite some time, and you know it it got a lot of hype, man. A lot of people love it. <laughs> 
And uh, what's strange to me is I was introduced to Gundam Age before I was in, finally got to sit down and read Crossbone Gundam. And I love the fact that from watching Gundam Age, certain things, certain elements have been picked from Crossbone and integrated into that show. So a lot of it se- seemed familiar to me as I'm reading this manga. What? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, things like the, the Space Pirates in Age 3. and uh, Really? And just other elements that are there, at least to me. But even so, even though it's not as well composed as, as I would like my Gundam story to be, it's a lot of fun. Um, I, I do dig the main character for being gung-ho and just getting into the mix without you know all the angst getting in the way, being as young as he is. And, um, his we, could, we could use some more Tobias in Gundam who are just badasses out to do what they need to do and not, why do we need to fight? Oh, <laughs> so his, his persona reminds me a little bit of how Flit was in season one of Gundam Age 2. You know, he just he stepped up and did what he had to do to get things done. He wasn't um, slated to be a pilot of a mecha, but, you know, he just stepped up and, and got inside that mecha and, and try to do the noble thing every time. Um, well, Tobiah kind of reminds me a lot more of like a, like a Garrett. Yeah, so yeah, sort of a no no nonsense guy, mm-hmm. very adaptable, very quick on his feet, uh, witty, and uh, you know street, not angry. Street smart kid. Yeah, street know, smart. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't get into all the bull crap, and it's just like, okay, you know, you're 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 either trying to hurt people or not. If you're going to hurt people, then I'm going to hurt you. You know, there were a few times he did protest, like yeah. when he was on the bridge of the. Uh, of, of, testing of, though, testing though is not being, you know, a, a, a bitch. You know, that's. I mean, seriously, it's it's not being a it's not being a bitch. I yeah. mean, if you there, there's pretend. no point where he's like Shin or Asamu level whiny bitch. Yeah, I mean, no no instance in this manga did he deserve a bright slap. I mean, <laughs> You're right. right. He did the slapping himself. Well, more so the punching. <laughs> yes. That and was a, head butting. And the head butting. Oh, plenty of that. And chair butting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, he head so much in this manga. He even pilots the mobile headbutt machine, the Pespatara. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> it's like Putting it was designed that, just for him. Put that axe blade to work. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what what really um surprises me about this manga is I thought it was going to be darker than what it was, being that this takes place between F nine one and Victory Gundam. You know, I thought Tomino was going to throw his uh his old school flair into this, and it ends up being um not as. And uh, I thought that was kind of refreshing. I was I didn't think he'd be capable of writing something like that at that time. But I guess maybe at that time he was going through his transition because you know after that he ended up doing Turn A Gundam. So um. Which, of course, is not nearly as dark as some of his other UC fare. But uh, other characters in there, of course, I enjoyed were Kincaid, of course. He, uh, it's, I, 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 I love this, re- this rendition of Seabook. Uh, I didn't really have much of a connection to Seabook during F9 1, but who did? <laughs> given how fast that movie uh, moved. Uh, and uh, Bera, she was, of course, uh, a, a, an interesting character as well, you know, with the, with the fact that she ended up taking the reins of the Space Pirates, um, you know, finally accepting her, uh, her role as a leader. But uh, she can still bake a mean loaf of bread. Boy, can't she? <laughs> I found that really cool that uh, she actually uh, she actually did that because I do remember that about her character in F91 that she, uh, you know, 
um, worked at her uh, her father's or our grandfather's uh not sorry her father's uh, her, her, her fake fake her, father's her, her fake father. bread store uh, <laughs> bread bakery yeah yeah so it, it was good to see that that part of her uh, still in there people that it, the, the, one of the things about the manga is that it, you can predict everything that's going to happen which I didn't like like uh, Zabine's turn uh, you know he's just a scum, he's just a grimy dude at the end of the day and you know he's going to eventually betray the crew but uh, he was cool when he was with them well let's then, let's talk about Zabine for a second because mm-hmm. um, in F ninety one he's kind of presented as a as a mysterious guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not necessarily a bad guy. I mean, he ends up taking down um, Iron Mask's right-hand guy yeah. in a pretty cool scene of just shooting him in the helmet in space. But then in uh, Crossbone, he's just blatantly evil. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's like he just he just developed into a very petty guy, and you know his his reasoning for what he wanted to do was was pretty weak. He wanted to bring back the aristocracy, but you know that doesn't work, and you know that the majority of the people on board the ship don't want that. They just want to have humanity continue. But actually, that's that's actually not quite true. There's a scene there oh. in the manga where Kincaid's explaining the whole story behind the Vanguard to Tobia, uh-huh. and he says something like, "This nobility principle, who could possibly go for that?" And then Barra sort of bops him on the head with a book yeah. and says. You need to be careful when you who these say that around. There's still yeah. some people who believe in that. Yeah, most, most, in that. most of that crew, yeah, and there was... were quite a few people who joined in on Zabine's rebellion. Yeah, I mean, you need, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but um, so far so wrong. Well, the, the, my question is: Do you guys think that this was like a good character progression from him, from where we saw what kind of character he was in F ninety one to now just being blatantly evil, selfish asshole? I think. This, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, uh, the, we need this, to hear this nugget. Go ahead. Okay. Um, no, I just think Tomino wanted a wanted a snake in the grass, and he went ahead and, and developed Sabine quickly into being that character. He, there was a, a vibe about him you couldn't trust, but I always thought he was just going to be more so. A thorn in uh, Kincaid's side and 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 not um, become mutinous, but uh, it, it ended up happening in the long run. But Neo, what were you going to say? Uh, all they turned him into was Starscream. Yeah, because all he sat there and said is like, "Oh, Kincaid, one of these days I'm going to betray you, and then we'll, you know, we'll bring back the Cosmo, you know, the Cosmo Babylon." It's just like, and and I, and I completely agree with you because in 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 F ninety one he was just kind of that n- kind of uh, mysterious neutral type of character kind of the one where yeah maybe he's with Cosmo Babylon but he's still got kind of he's got morality to his point and you know it's like certain things just he's he's gonna do it based on his principles that he feels fun that he feels good and they don't always coincide with what Cosmo Babylon was doing but yeah in this he's just. I, I got kind of tired of him because it was just like every time with him and Kate, it's like, you know, one of these days I'm going to, you know, steal away Barra and then we're going to do Cosmo Babylon and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh my God, really? And we're going to have a final showdown and I'm going to take you out. And, and, then, and, then, and then how freaking. Uh, yeah, funny how all that works out for him. And, oh, and, then, yeah. how, and then how much of a, a boot. Well, worked out well the first time. <laughs> with uh, with Dogati, he's just like, oh, I, you know, I just want to, you know, set up an aristocracy. It's like this dude, all he wants to do is blow up Earth and take over people and control them by uh, having control of the resources. It yeah, life, life is cheap to him, and who wants to serve a guy like that? They they kind of made him I, stupid. <laughs> they were, well, I just. I just kind of wonder, all this time, you know, he admitted outright when he turned on, you know, he, he said he was going to do it from the start. How did that go? Was it like, good morning, Lady Vera, here's, here's your tea. By the way, the second you betray the nobility principle, I'm going to kill you. That was a big <laughs> clown. Was that what it was like? A dude so, says I'm, constantly, he's going to turn on you, and you don't do anything? 
yeah, you just keep that. You just keep them. You just keep them barely under observation. Like uh, it, mobile suit weird. pilots aren't that needed that you want to have a, a traitorous jerk right in front of you. Yeah, and especially giving him a Gundam. Yeah, yeah, give him a Gundam on top of that. One of your two Gundams. That's 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 a great move. But yeah. on Overall, the subject of um, Zabine's mm-hmm. change, I wanted to bring up one point, and that is one thing I felt myself constantly wishing while reading this manga was that we had maybe some part of this or some other manga that delved more into the post-F91 background. Right. Because there's this huge, important conflict that happens that is just completely glossed over of, yeah. oh, you know, there was the fighting and... Uh, you know, Seabook and and Zabine were rivals, and they fought a lot. And then uh, Cosmo Babylon collapsed. At the end. <laughs> like, what happened? What happened to you know all the other people? What happened to Meitzer? What happened to Doral? You know, never heard from again. No mention of. You know, they tell us oh one two eight. There was this huge conflict between Meitzer's loyalists and Vera's loyalists. We never find out about it. Other than that. Yeah, I and think... what happened What happened to Doral? He was a young guy. You'd think that he'd be still hanging around if he's not dead by yet, mm-hmm. by then. But uh, I think we need some... For that matter, some what about Reese? Like, Kincaid's running around in deep space. What about his yeah. sister? What about his sister? Yeah, she's never even mentioned, like, oh, yeah. I need to protect Earth for my sister's sake. Oh, we've seen that in Gundam before. What, what happened to Sailor? <laughs> yeah, what happened to Sailor in Shars Counterattack? Oops. Sometimes relatives are just falling off the map. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just, yeah, just a- sadly, I don't think I don't think they've ever given us the detailed series plan for what F ninety one was supposed to be. Yeah, a lot of people claim Crossbone was in there, but it doesn't seem so. very likely. I don't think so at seem- all. I mean, uh, may- maybe maybe Tomino was trying to throw hints in there, like the whole Mitzer versus Barra conflict was supposed to be part of the plot. But mm-hmm. again, we never know. He never I- said anything. Like we said at the time during the Gundam Roundup, I don't doubt, given that it followed right after, that he probably ended up recycling a lot of his ideas for F-91 into victory. Because yeah. it would make sense. Yeah. I mean, it's only two years apart between those two productions. So if you had all these ideas that you wanted to use, then you're given another full series. Why not make use of them? Mm-hmm. That makes the most sense. And I, I guess whatever was left over went into Crossbow. <laughs> and there definitely is, you know, that connection of, you know, sort of space fascists who want to rule over the masses, mm-hmm. you know, between Cosmo, uh, Babylonia, and Zanskari. Although Zanskari is definitely more fanatical. Yeah, uh, uh, by, by far. <laughs> but, but it wouldn't surprise me if some of that DNA was in Victory that was meant to be in the FN1 series. So. I just lament that we, do, well, we don't know and we probably never will know, like, what was happening in this rebellion, you know, that was an important part of UC history that's just been completely glossed over. It's a shame, really. Um, I, I guess as a wrap up what I was saying, it, this, this, this uh, series, it has, it seems like an outline for our, probably what would make a very compelling Gundam uh, video game. <laughs> There's a lot of boss battles, a lot of upgrades, a lot of uh, set pieces that were really cool. Uh, and, um, you know, just a lot of ideas that I don't think flowed all that well, but um, it still made it for an engaging, you know, fun read. And I, I didn't take it too serious at the end. I like that it has a happy ending, but um, it's, it, it, was, it was a fun read. I, I've got to say, I'm glad I read it, and I, I look forward to reading the, the follow-up stories. Now, uh, Neo, your, your comments then. Oh, my God. I can't believe you guys are talking so ill about this. This is the greatest friggin' manga ever created, man. <laughs> So it's, it is it is Captain Harlock, Pirates of the Caribbean, all rolled up into one. Somali pirates, Treasure Island, yeah, piece. Treasure Island, well, yeah, One Piece. No it's it's all in there. Um, I, I I read I read this about four or five years ago, and 
you know, just like uh, the rest of these guys, you, you, uh, you know, you would always see the, the cool master grade of the X one and you'd hear all this stuff about it. And it was, it was kind of that mysterious thing. And hey, you read it and you know, it's, it's not an awful story, but it's not going to set the world on fire. Uh, I agree with Chris and Armro about uh, or Volume 5. It's just kind of there. Um, you can see that they're trying to do a little bit of character development and stuff, but it just kind of seems a little dumb. Um, I think you probably could have done that maybe in half a volume or maybe half, you know, a couple chapters. Um, or kind of, you know, if you want to do that development, maybe kind of spread it out throughout the story a little bit more. But, um, you know, the, it, 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 there is a whole bunch of references of what happened after F91 that it would be nice to see what the hell was going on because the way they kind of reference it, it's like, wow, that story seems like it's probably more interesting than this story. And, um, you know, Dogati and the, and the Jupiter Empire, uh, they are maybe the, they are pretty dumb and they could be close to Vagan level and maybe almost at Vagan level because maybe past Vagan level. Because I don't know. They they seem to have accomplished more than the Vagans who are just well, so hopelessly incompetent. Well, I'm not talking about their competence. I, the whole thing of I'm going to blow up the Earth and then we're, we're going to we're going to we're going to blow it up and we're going to mine it like an asteroid. But yet, if you completely destroy the Earth like that, doesn't that render a lot of getting those resources very difficult to do like it doesn't make any sense to me well i think by the end when he was like really nuts in the divinidad and he was doing his typical like antagonist babble to tobiah he's talking about you know yeah. the earth rejected him and his wife and blah 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 he's like Bruh, i just hate earth i'll destroy what rejected me it's like the whole thing about the resources was just one of his many cover stories for his true objective which was just that he's butthurt and doesn't like earth yeah and he kind of reminded me of iron mask a little bit because he was just kind of bitchy like that i mean not as i mean his wife didn't get stolen by the bread man but i mean (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a blues song his wife got stolen by the bread man wife got stolen by the bread man (laughs) i got the stolen by the bread man blues But I, I, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, man, you know, um, it, it just doesn't make too much sense. This this blind thing of the aristocracy and all this stuff. I'm just like, I'm like, you know, okay, I, I kind of get it, but it still doesn't make any sense to me why the low the low end soldier is so fanatical about it, especially when it's not even in power. It's one thing if it, they're like in power and they're they're threatening to lose their power and they're fighting to stay relevant but the fact that they're not even in power and they're so blindly behind him it's just like eh, it doesn't make any sense to me Tobias cool uh the damn parrot though that was always funny because he he uh he was acting out things from uh first Gundam it seemed like yeah, all like the a, time no, he's, he's just a UC fanboy he he, he yeah. like uh he screams out random stuff like poodoo poodoo and uh Miss Matilda yeah. <laughs> Miss Matilda <laughs> Like, you've been watching those Gundam DVDs. Nothing but a spoiled brat. Oh. I just love the part part where the parrot has its own space suit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, uh, Flanders the dog had his own space suit. He did. Oh, my God. No, he was just shoved into a human one. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be a robot, too. I thought I'd heard it was a robot parrot, but, you know, space suit. (laughs) So, I mean, maybe it has some type of oxygen. A new type parrot. 
Who knows? <laughs> hey, we got new type monkeys later on, so. Yeah. So, yeah, no um, kidding. But in, in terms of uh, like a rating, I'd probably give it about a two and a half. It's not great. It's not awful, but it's one of those things where if you read it once, it's not going to be sitting there saying, oh, I, gotta, I can't wait to read this again or anything like that. I mean, the only reason why I even read it again was because we were reviewing it just so it'd be a little more current. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just there. I mean, the, definitely the models are, are better than the manga story. So, you know, All that's right, about so, how it works. Uh, to, to wrap up ratings then, uh, Solber, what would you give um, Crossbone? I give Crossbone about 3.5. Stars or oh no five point three point five. Uh, I'm not a new types. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, Amaro, what what do you give Crossbone on a scale of five? Uh, I'd probably give it uh, four headbutts to the face out of five. There you go. Jeez. Okay, I will give it um, three loaves of bread. Oh man, now you're making me hungry. <laughs> So before we move on, um, I do want to uh, get Amaro's opinion on one thing that's been debated by fans for many, many years, and that is um, theories about a connection between Dogati and Kagati. Yeah, I think Tomino was definitely implying something. There's a lot of little bitty elements there, like the Jovian mobile suits. They use the mono eye, but it's got the cat eye, like all of the Zonskir stuff. Mm-hmm. And the the big buster launcher that the X2 Kai wields is actually identical to the Zonic cannon. Hmm. Yeah. And, and the it, uh, the Vagon has the, the whole tire motif. Yeah, yep. you can see it as the prototype for the Ein Rod and the Twin Rod. I do think Tomino was trying to imply that there was some sort of connecting element that the Jupiter Empire is the transition from the Crossbone Diehards to the Zonscare. It's especially more obvious later on, like, in Steel 7, they introduce something with a prototype beam rotor. And you get things with some very unusual, highly variable forms. You get the F-99, which is the first Wings of Light mobile suit. Mm. And a couple of characters pop up in Steel 7 who were apparently supposed to be Otis and Mueller from Victory. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah, yeah Mueller is in Uso's Mother. They show up early on in the manga, helping the Crossbone Vanguard out with the Wings of Light. And you can see uh, some other mobile suit connections, like the uh, the Quavarze is sort of like uh, an ancestor to um, the what the hell do you call this thing? The uh, the Dodge the the Dodgor, mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of like a weird weird looking lizard type thing with a tail. <laughs> uh, I, if I remember correctly, it was mentioned in Victory that uh, that Kagati was rumored to be from Jupiter. Oh. Yeah, I, mean, I haven't seen Victory in a while, but that's that's what I recall. Yeah, they do they do kind of mention he's from some other place. So you think that um that uh, there's other notable characters in in the Gundam history that have been from Jupiter too, uh, like Sirocco. Um, any 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 tie-ins with him to uh, to to Crossbone Gundam at all? Um, not not that I've seen. I mean, well, maybe, it was, maybe the design it was of his mentioned suits, maybe. that uh, the Jupiter Empire has been around for a long time, and that it funded lots of um, anti-Earth activities Ooh, yeah. in the past. Maybe you could try to vaguely suggest that the Empire started with Shirako joining up with the Titans, but there's no real solid connection. I mean, by the other token, we've got Judo, who pops up as Greystoke, the captain oh, yeah. of the Jupiter Energy Fleet, and he's one of the good guys. All these Gundam pro- protagonists changing their names. 
Yeah. So um, now that we've wrapped up our discussion of the original series, um, just want to briefly turn it over to Amro to discuss uh, just a little bit about the the three sequels, Skull Heart, Steel Seven, and the currently running Ghost, which are now written by Tamino. They're they're written by Hasegawa. And uh, they jump forward in time to the point where now Ghost is set concurrently with Victory. So uh, just tell us briefly what's going on with those and what are your impressions about uh, these sequels and how they compare to the original. First off, we've got Skullheart, which is mostly just a series of vignettes set mostly after Crossbone has ended, a couple set during. And of course, we got one back during the One Year War, which shows how Grandpa Uman defeated six Rick Doms with a ball at Salt. Nice. Short answer, dumb frigging luck oh <laughs> and and that gundam face yeah for intimidation <laughs> but mostly Skullheart is just quick little snippets of stories they develop the characters a little bit it, it it's it there it's the manga equivalent of an appetizer you eat it you're satisfied for a little while but it ain't gonna fill you up we get a little exploration tobia we get a little exploration of harrison martin who is possibly the only decent federation character after f91 Hmm. But that's it. It's okay. Read it if you really like Crossbone, but it's sure as heck not a standalone. Next up was Steel 7, which was an unabashed homage to the Seven Samurai. Oh, nice. Where Jupiter Empire is coming back. It's led by these crazy psychicer twins. Yeah, they also try to drag the victory connection out a little stronger. Their ultimate goal, they got a colony laser out at Jupiter, powerful enough to, snut to destroy the Earth from all the way out there. Good lord. But they don't have enough... They don't have enough forces to get there in time, so the only way to get to Jupiter in time to stop it is with the Wings of Light. But Anaheim took that after the war. Mm -hmm. So Toby is organizing a team. He's trying to get the seven best pilots he can and the Wings of Light so they can stop the colony laser. And they've got to deal with one of the Jovian leaders who is on Earth in the ungodly, flexible, and mobile Cornix mobile suit. (laughs) And... if 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 the Jupiter Empire put all their resources into this Earth destruction plan, where the hell do they have anything left over to make a giant colony laser that could shoot Earth from Jupiter? Don't forget, it's defended by a pair of mobile suits that turn into hands. Wow. <laughs> Crossbone Gundam means never having to say, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, I forgot to mention it, but like I said... Skullheart, new type monkeys in forearm zakus. New, oh, wow! So that those—that's where the new type monkeys show up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. oh, what about the what about the monkey and and crossbone with that's his just, dumb oh, yeah. luck? That's just some dude's yeah. pet. Mm-hmm. I know, but still, it's they're, pretty they're badass monkey. That they're getting so, it yeah. too. Yeah, the monkey got it in. <laughs> Remind overall, me of the monkey, yeah, uh, King Kai's point. Overall, Steel Seven was okay. I heard a lot of people said that they considered it Crossbones jumping the shark moment. I hate that term just because it gets so overplayed. But mm-hmm. then, then you could call it, it nuking the fridge instead. Nuking the fridge. Uh, I don't like that. I don't like that one either. <laughs> but I do think it kind of starts reaching the point where. Gee, what was the comparison I used? I can't remember. It's just where you take the fran- where you take the franchise. It was good enough in the first story. You do one sequel, it's okay. But then you just keep doing sequel. Oh, mm-hmm. it was a st- seed astray. That's what it is. It's like Gundam Seed Stray, great up through X, okay around the time of Destiny Stray, but then they started doing stuff like Frame Strays and Versus Strays, and yeah, Steel 7 was overall okay. They tried to make it a bit more like Victory, which of course means depressing ending. Oh boy. <laughs> not going to say anything, just saying you might get upset, you might get mad. 
And then we have Ghost, which, of course, as was said, jumps all the way ahead to Victory Era. I honestly have not read Ghost yet. I've kind of I read the behind... uh, the first chapter. All I know is some civilian dork finds out about Jovian, a Jovian super weapon through the internet, and he runs into Tobia, who is still a badass despite the fact that he's blind now. Oh, and and uh, has a has a deep tan. Yeah. Well, you yeah. you find out why he has the deep tan in Steel Seven. Ah. Well, this. interestingly, uh, this this guy, this kid, uh, he has a mobile suit <laughs> information website, which I find amusing. <laughs> Is there something you're not telling us? Is there something you're not telling us? Maybe. So he has a database of all of these ancient mobile suits, uh, including, like, shout-outs to other stuff that Hasegawa has done, like Half Zeta, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which this guy mentions uh, that he has no evidence of whether it existed or not. Um, And somehow on the space internet, he uncovers the plans for Angel Halo. Ooh. Holy shit. So he's being chased by weirdos, and uh, if, if Crossman wasn't weird enough and they had to bring in some more weirdness, in the first chapter he gets attacked by that um, caterpillar thing from Victory. Oh, wow. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Obviously our friend there was on Space Pirate Bay. <laughs> uh, yeah, the new, the new Jovian machine, which has the very strange, frustrating name of Thaukas, hmm. because it's Thousand Custom. It's based off of the Japanese concept of Ikitosen, which means one person who can defeat a thousand, not right. school, not schoolgirls with ludicrously big boobs and paper-thin clothing. Oh, what the oh, hell? Oh, practically That's the same thing. Completely, <laughs> completely different Ikitosen. <laughs> Uh, like I said, I haven't read Ghost. I can't recommend. I can't make a recommendation for or against. But I do think Hasegawa was kind of milking the cow a little too much. What do you think? Plus the fact that in in twenty years his art style has not I evolved. Was, <laughs> I was going to ask: Is like is no. art style better than that? I guess not. No, no. <laughs> it's it's exactly the same. This like very sort of like retro seventies simple lines. Yeah. Big ovally shaped character faces, all that yeah. stuff. It has not changed. Like if you if you read any of these uh, current ones, you would not be able to tell. Like this was drawn in 2012, and this was drawn in 1994. Damn. I do think he's gotten a little better. You can kind of see some improvement between the original and Skullheart, but it's he's got a bit better with his mobile suits. Yeah, but it's still unquestionably Hasegawa. Yeah, which depending on your taste is a good or bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Overall, though, Crossbone is just, I think the best way to summarize it, it's all about the set pieces, because that's what drew a lot of people in was the first big thing that drew people's attention. It was in Super Robot Wars Alpha 2, and mm-hmm. the characters had some awesome attack animations, like Mother Vanguard ramming someone with its beam shields and then blasting them with broadside beam cannons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it showed up in other stuff like G-Generation and Gundam Versus. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it works best, I think, is kind of a video game thing. Like, like, yeah. Because maybe the plot's a little thin, it kind of drags in places, but it has some incredible actions. Some the the pilots pull off some really great tricks, especially Kincaid and Tobia. They they have some really memorable moves. And if you just want something that is very flashy and dynamic, it's hard to beat Crossbone. So I want I want to close off with uh, the eternal question. Not that, not not burping. Uh, the eternal question. <laughs> Where uh, we now live in in the post-unicorn era of Gundam, Mm -hmm. where things are being adapted. So the eternal question, would you like to see Crossbone as an OVA, Amaro? I'd like to, but I think the time has passed. We pointed out they could probably streamline the story down a bit. You know, it's six volumes... 
four chapters in each one. You could probably shrink that down a good bit, maybe get a 12-episode OVA out of it, but mm-hmm. like I said, I, th- I just think the time has passed. It's That's shrinking it? Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. I honestly, it's, I don't it, think it's shorter it, it, than a TV show. <laughs> well, I mean, if you're doing if you're doing just the first um, the first story, hey, you're probably talking maybe two or three episodes. Yeah. Uh, That's a little doing, too like, short. An hour long. Yeah. Everyone loves <laughs> hour pop- long. Yeah. Everyone loves popping out the rumor that Crossbones is going to get animated really soon, but you know it, it's been. That's just a fanboy. That's fanboy wish. Wish. It's thing. been almost twenty years since the original. Even if it builds up some kind of big fan buzz, I think the opportunity has eluded them. Yeah, and as and I would they, point out, as I have before, Unicorn got adapted. It's a brand new entry, and they put so much extra effort into it for a side story that yeah. you could tell almost from the get-go it was being groomed for animation it this is very case. different from adapting something that's 20 yeah. years old yeah i mean they drove unicorn they just draw so much attention to like we got katoki doing all the mecha designs and yeah. tomino's giving it a thumbs up so and yaz yeah. did the original yeah. uh character designs for the yeah. novel yeah. you know they put way more effort into this than the writing most was on the wall from the start yeah Crossbone, you had Fukui saying then, that he was hoping it would be animated for the 30th anniversary so there were a lot of signs pointing to this yeah, but again, like I said, it'd be nice. They've even got a voice cast thanks to the video games. You've got um, Kape Yamaguchi as Tobia. He's mm-hmm. if you don't the guy who played Ranma, Inuyasha, and Saisaishi. Oh, and Usopp. And Usopp. Usopp. What? You got all the returning voice actors from F ninety one, like Koji Sutani as Kincaid, Yumitoma as Bera. Mm-hmm. They kind of swapped some of the voice actors around. Like Tugachi's had a couple, but they've got a pretty solid voice cast just going by G generation. But, again, it's probably not going to happen. The closest you're going to find, there's a dude on Nico Video and YouTube who did some fan-made opening animations. Those are incredible. Look them up. Okay. If you want to know, the songs he used are a couple songs from Muv Love. He used Insanity and Name. I'll have to check that out. Go hunt those down. They are incredible. That guy needs to be hired by Sunrise right now. (laughs) So, uh, Sobro, Crossbow OVA? Um... I think it's possible if they revamp the story, but I'd rather see it as a as a as a well made video game. I think it would it would serve a better purpose that way. All right, Neil. Yeah, what the hell? Why not? There's you know you got the you got the long list of all the other things that are supposed to be coming. You know, uni or um a unicorn, but Gundam the Origin and all this other stuff. And yeah, what, That's what the that hell? Mythical Seed movie. Mythical Seed movie, turn A on DVD with actual English subtitles. Oh, I mean, boy. come on. Let's just, let's, just, yeah. let's, just, let's just make the hopes and dreams even bigger now. That's sure, why not? Let's, let's go the opposite track. Now we're, we're, we're going to inflate yes. all the hopers and dreamers. Hey, just Tsunami's to then back. The, maliciously the whole game has later. changed. The whole game has changed now that Tsunami's <laughs> back. Yes. This oh, is yeah. going to be the renaissance. We, are, we went through the dark ages. Now we're back in the renaissance time. There's going to be anime in the streets everywhere. We are legion. So who's, who's the anime Michelangelo? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that's yet to be determined, but I'm sure they're out there. So, you know, we're, we're only in the, the beginning. This is where the seeds are being planted and being right. developed. So Seeds, yeah, I see what you did there. Oh, anyway, okay, huh? uh, I, don't, I don't mind could, if it could was... Could be your the- destiny, too. So. Oh, possibly. Or my eternity. <laughs> yes. It might even be your big and slicing. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. As as I'm out there uh, at night like a stargazer. Oh exactly. my lord. I think he's taking out the trash that has been blown astray <laughs> by the wind. Looking looking over all these stories like a sentinel. So. Yeah, it's just it's just really uh, um, frame. <laughs> yes. Y'all are the worst. <laughs> anyway, um, I wouldn't mind if there was a crossbone OVA, but good God, throw out every single Jovian mecha and redesign them from scratch yes. because those things are too hideous, A, for animation, and B, for model kits. Thank you. Thank you. Please. <laughs> I think they can keep the Batara, the Death Gales, and the Divinidad, but most of the rest of the stuff, just hideous. Clean hideous. it out. Clean Trash it out. It. Get a new one. <laughs> Back to the drawing board. <laughs> you, you, you can keep the names, but uh, you know, just scrap the suit itself. So even with the Death Gale, uh, the Tortuga is pretty freaking ugly. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's fun, ugly. Big ugly fat guy. How often have you seen a heavy mobile suit that looks like a heavy mobile suit? <laughs> there was a, a super fat heavy mobile suit in X from one of the uh, the disposable new types. Yeah, the there was smashed up uh, leopard. Yeah, mm-hmm. the cape. Yeah, that was a big heavy mobile suit. Yep. And for better or for worse, we have a heavy mobile suit in age now. Yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, I would give as my recommendation, check out uh, Crossbone. Don't expect it to be the masterpiece it's been hyped up to be on the Internet. Uh, it's an enjoyable series. I mean, I gave it a three, but it, it could sometimes range to three and a half. So it's solid. It's enjoyable. It's got some flaws. Um Mobile suits are ugly, and I say this as someone who enjoys the outlandish Zanskari designs. <laughs> yeah, they're kind of a guilty pleasure, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> so just, just keep that in mind. It's not Harlock. It's not, you know, Pirates of the One Caribbean piece. in space. It's not One Piece in space. So just keep that in mind, and I think you'll be okay. So I'd like to uh, thank Amuro for joining us. In this segment, maybe when Ghost is finished and we have uh, some more to talk about, we'll have a, a follow-up segment and talk about all three of the sequels. Mm-hmm. It's been great to be back. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back here listening to Gundam at MHQ. <laughs> Let us do no such goddamn thing. Like, my one thing was that I, I wasn't so fond of Wynn, but... Well, you, you have to find out about Wynn, because she's actually interesting. Yeah, I didn't... I She just did not interest me, but, you know... Everybody else, I, I liked Alistair, and I really liked Morgan. I have a thing for Claudia Black, and just hearing her voice in the game makes me makes my ears perk up. And uh, Shale, obviously, Ogren was fantastic. Like, all of these... And even Sten, just kind of 
you think is sort of a prototypical badass, and then you, you know, then you hear the, more the, about. Do not be forgetting the most wonderful oh. assassin of them all, Zevran. Well, who... I can't, I can't forget Zevran, who wants to stick his knife in his dick and everything. Yeah, he kills, he kills the ladies in the bed, and then he kills the ladies in the bed. If you know what I mean. I, I just like that. Anytime Zevran meets somebody, there's an equal chance that he's gonna fuck you or he's gonna kill you. No matter yes. the sex, no matter the race, he'll do you, and then he might kill you. So, you know, that's... Hey, what does it say that the trophy for banging him is called Easy Lover? Yeah, no joke. It, there, there are a couple characters that that put out pretty easily. Like, uh, you have to really work hard for Liliana or for... Uh, or for uh, Alistair. Alistair. But yeah. Zevran and Morrigan, man, you, uh, you get friendly. They're like, hey, come on over. This is chaos! What did the anime addicts say when asked who would win in a battle between a magical girl and a team of Pokemon? Who doesn't want to spin around, glow, and have all their clothes fly off? Anime. The battle stops when you do it. You don't have to worry about getting shot. Like, no one ever thinks, oh my god, she's changing. Quick, shoot her. Addicts. First of all, I would say that my Pokemon would not be enticed by your nakedness. 12-year-old breasts and ass are not going to entice my wait, Charmander. Wait. Anonymous. I'm eating a sandwich <laughs> calling my bookie because I just stomped your ass. Podcast. Visit the Anime Addicts at www.aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Damn! You got to be a stupid motherfucker to get five on your day off. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. And we're at our, our second segment this episode. And um, the thought crossed our mind after seeing the most recent uh, E3 uh, that, that came and went uh, about um, just our speculations on how some of the new consoles are going to turn out. Of course, uh, Nintendo revealed their console in, I wouldn't say in full, but mostly at this year's E3. So we know quite a bit about the Wii U. But uh, we know very little about what Microsoft and Sony may have in store. But um, before we get into our speculations of those con- of those consoles that are, are coming up, hopefully at the next E3, uh, what were you guys' over, over overview of uh, this year's E3 when it comes to the, the big three? It came and went. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't go to it, but I know somebody that did, and, and she told me that um, uh, the overall mood is was just why uh, you know why are we here and let's go to the bar now, nice. and that's basically what it ended up being because <laughs> um, even though there's been underwhelming, I guess this is one of probably the most underwhelming one they've had in uh, either recent memory or probably of all time because there was oh. just. No one was excited about anything. It's just one of these years. It's like they're there because they have to be because no one's ready for the next yeah. gen yet. Yeah. 
So they couldn't they couldn't re- reveal the curtain on any uh any new tech except for Nintendo, which really didn't stir much people. Many and even then, it was not much more than they'd already revealed last E3. Yes, <laughs> and they still have a problem le- letting the public know exactly what the hell this thing is. Yeah, I mean, we might as well just get into the Wii U since uh, it's it's what's already on the table. Um, Nintendo revealed the Wii U, of course, and their their lineup of games that are be, that are going to be coming out for the system. Uh, there wasn't as many offerings from Nintendo themselves as there was uh, Ubisoft, which had you know, quite a few games uh, on on the docket to come out for that system. Um, not as many original games. I know that Zombie U is one of the original games, and um, I'm trying to think of uh, what else they had um, lined up. But for the most part, what they showed, aside from what Ubisoft showed, wasn't all that great to see. They did show a new controller for the system. The I guess the Wii U Pro controller. Yes, yet, yet another controller. Yeah, yet another controller. Which the system needed even more. <laughs> which looks suspiciously like the Xbox 360 controller, which I don't find appealing at all. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, they showed that, and they showed the tablet at work. Uh, they showed uh, Rayman, uh, one of the games that they're re-releasing on the system. I guess it had added an additional character that exclusively uses the tablet. So that was pretty neat to see, but for the most part, I'm still not blown away by the tablet. Uh, but uh, any any thoughts on Nintendo's pro- uh, conference? Anything that you, you found that might have been good during that conference at all? I, I didn't really Nintendo watch is, it. Is a mess. I didn't watch the conference, but I read reports about it, and just looking mm-hmm. at the lineup, you know, I've commented, and well, we all have commented in the past about the stubbornness and rigidity of Japanese companies that refuse oh, yeah. to adapt to the marketplace. And without a doubt, Nintendo is the worst of the worst. Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. Um, they were showing off their the whole network ability of the Wii U, and I'm glad they, they, they wanted to implement more of the Internet as part of that system. But when I heard that you still need to use friend codes to network with people, I was like, okay, really? Really, Nintendo? Well, you, couldn't, you couldn't follow the example of the other two and saw what worked and roll with that? I know you, those me's are important to you, but come on, as, as like it's still taking a step backwards. In well, Nintendo to. is ever since the GameCube era, they've been dragging their feet on online. They yeah. hate it. They don't understand it. They said nobody wants to play games online. Nobody cares about it. It's just a fad. Mm-hmm. We want to make games. Blah 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 blah. And they just so adamantly refuse to adapt to the changing marketplace that um, whatever they do implement is always <coughs> in a half-assed fashion. For example. Mm-hmm. Uh, before E3, excuse me, I'm choking here. <laughs> there was the announcement that um, New Super Mario Brothers 2 on the 3DS right. was going to be available as a digital download. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, Nintendo's finally starting to understand, make games available digitally. So that's Absolutely. one step forward. But then it was two steps back because they said it's going to cost exactly the same as the, <laughs> the retail release. Because oh. they don't feel that just because something is digital that it has less value, to which I would say, no, that's precisely what it means. You didn't have to have it manufactured in Mexico or where the hell you make these games. Absolutely. You didn't have to have them packaged. You didn't have to have them shipped. You didn't have to to sell them to a middleman who's then going to sell them. It absolutely has lesser value. Hmm. It's It's probably 10 bucks a unit, at least. I mean, and all that of all what you just talked about. Not as a product for you to enjoy, but as a physical commodity yes it has a lesser value because it's not physical there is no production involved it has no it has no resale value and yet you're going to still sell it for you know for for um on the shelf price it, it, it makes no sense to me yeah i mean uh, it, it, it they don't even look at the other two companies Ma- matter of fact not only microsoft and sony but steam 
you see how cheap games are on Steam, and they're all digitally distri- uh, distributed. Not only oh that, but even even Sony doesn't quite get it because the um, even though they discount their PSN titles a bit, mm-hmm. the, the digital versions of these physical titles, they still end up being cheaper in stores anyway because all these places like GameStop and Best Buy are aggressively slashing prices on stuff. Right. Well, I'll put it but to you Nintendo's this way. Nintendo's not even trying. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I think your video game companies and stuff now have become the record in movie industry. They're not realizing that people, there's a, there's a different way that people are moving to receive these things and to watch them and stuff like that. And they're still stubbornly holding on to the, the way that they used to do it because well, it you, worked. I don't think you can say that about every company, but you can definitely say about Nintendo. So I, I'd say about, I'd say throughout you know all of them, yeah, because, I mean, until we see it where it's completely... Distributely uh, distributed, um, you know that that's that's because that's that's the way we're going. Well, total digital distribution is just not going to be a reality for any time soon because of one issue: bandwidth. What? Yeah, internet well, connections across the U.S. are horrible. What we consider high speed is a mm-hmm. joke to most other countries. So yeah. until we have you know, those high speeds where people can stream gigabytes of stuff, where people can download massive quantities of stuff, and it's not a massive drain and they're not getting capped, digital distribution is just going to be a pipe dream until yeah, this mean, one roadblock is solved. Well, they're they're yeah. capped overseas. I mean, they just have to pay out once they I know, they but, they get, the but they get... Yeah. I mean, like in, Japan, is, mm-hmm. like, in Japan, you can get... An, um, in the low end, maybe like 40 megabytes per second downloads mm-hmm. yeah, on bigger ISPs. Whereas here, that's, not, that's way beyond even what we consider the highest. When it comes down to it, I mean, places like Europe, Japan, and other Pan-Pacific uh, nations, their, their infrastructure is impeccable. Especially I mean, South Korea. Yes. Well, not, not only that, but people, they're, they're not as price sensitive when it comes to that stuff as we are but here. But that's getting into a whole other mess. Well, um, you have saying. monopolies of all of these phone yeah. and internet providers and all of their messes. So I don't want to wade into that because that's, yeah. that's five hours worth of discussion right there. <laughs> but to the point of the Wii U, um, Nintendo did a really bad job announcing this last year because they focused on the tablet so much that and, and they showed the actual console itself as sort of an afterthought that it gave... The mistaken impression, one, that the tablet was the console. Yeah. And two, that the tablet was just like an add-on for the current Wii, which is a perception they've not managed to shake even a year later because CNN's own report on E3 mistakenly identified the Wii U as an add-on to the Wii. And that's what it feels like almost. Uh, when, when it comes down to it, they didn't do, just as you said, they didn't do a good enough job with uh, presenting the system. So it's easy to misconstrue that. Um, and to me, the Wii, the Wii was a, in a sense, it was, it was, it, it was, was it was an explosion when it first came out, but then it, it was became a novelty. novelty. And it was a gimmick yeah, that nobody exactly, could say. Exactly, exactly. It was and always figured, a, it, it was always a gimmick. You would always it, you would figure that Nintendo would actually want to kind of stray from that, kind of like what they did with the Nintendo sixty four moving on to the GameCube. The GameCube was so different from the sixty four. I mean, going on to a whole new uh, form of media and everything like that. It was that system. In, at the end of the day, but was the a gameplay revelation. didn't change. Yeah, gameplay didn't change. But, I mean, but they finally admitted their mistakes and moved on, and I was hoping they would do that from the Wii to the Wii U. Well, and they, you were and, hoping for too much. Yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. First of all, the input. Number one, I'm not excited at all about this tablet gamepad thing. Yeah. You know, if I want to play games on my TV, I want to look at my TV. I don't want to look at some iPad-type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's all this confusion about 
what you use in different games. So sometimes you'll have games where you can use two game pads, but not at launch. Sometimes one person <laughs> will be using a game pad, and others will be using old Wiimotes. Yeah. Then you got that 360-looking Pro Controller. What is with all of this garbage of all these different inputs? Make one freaking input device so that people know what kind of games they should make. Yeah, there's no uniformity at all. <laughs> it's, it's uh, just... Number two, mm-hmm. I guess Nintendo has decided that they're okay with being permanently behind in the graphics department now. Oh, yeah. Because when the Wii launched six years ago, it was a PS2 level piece of hardware. And now the Wii U that's coming at the end of this year is on the level of the 360 and the PS3. Mm-hmm. So now they are permanently a generation behind when it comes to graphics. Right. And I'm not a graphics whore. Graphics are not the most important thing. But it's not something you can just ignore because it's a consideration for a lot of people. Absolutely. Well, not only How often that, do you but... even have to say that for a game that looks pretty good, that you have to say it looks pretty good for a Wii game? <laughs> well, well, not only that, but the, the fact now that the televisions are to the point that any issues with uh, graphics are going to be magnified. So it's, it's one thing when you had the old tube, tube ma- uh, TVs when it, you couldn't really notice it too much. But now, I mean, some of these televisions are so freaking detailed that it, it does make a difference. Yeah. I mean, and now they're going to be producing games on a system that's equivalent to hardware that is six or seven years old. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, then you've got your game lineup. Right. Completely underwhelming on uh, new stuff. It's like, okay, so there's Super Mario Brothers. That's great. That's fine. Um, but then you've got Surprise. a whole bunch of ports of current-gen games. They made such a big stink out of, look, we got Arkham City. I'm like, okay, I can yeah. go play it's Arkham armored. City. Yeah, Arkham City armored. Though. I remember seeing... I can, uh, oh, go ahead. I can play Arkham City right now if I want to. I don't need to wait for <laughs> your system launch. That's, yeah. what, that's the point that was brought up to Reggie fils when he was on Game Trailers um, talking about the Wii U. Um, people, he, uh, I forget who was interviewing him, but they argued that fact. I was like, well, I can play Arkham City now. Why am I going to shovel out another 60 bucks just to, have a, just to re-experience the game? You know, it seems yeah, more like an add-on to me. you get that game now for really cheap. Or mm-hmm. they also announced Mass Effect 3, which that is just insane. I don't even know. Why would you want Mass Effect 3 on the Wii U? And are they even going to try to bother to do something to cover all of the events of the first two games like they did with Mass Effect 2 on mm-hmm. the PS3? Or are they just even going to bother I me? Mean, why, why on earth would I want to play, if I wanted to play Mass Effect, why would I start from the third game on the Wii U. <laughs> well, not only that, but I mean, it's the fact of okay, you can buy the game, a game that's already been out, and you're talking, yeah, the game's cheaper now, but you're going to have to buy a whole new system. So it's a few hundred dollars more to play a game that you could have readily played now or already have played. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make any, any sense. If anything, we're seeing now that Nintendo is making the exact same mistakes they were making with the Wii, which is when the system launched, it was basically a home for shovelware minigame collections and half-assed PS2 ports. To quote, uh, to quote Adam Sessler, that presentation was flaccid. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, is, I mean, you know, one of the issues I think they're probably going to have now with that is if you're going to do minigames, why am I going to buy a whole big system like that when I can just download it on my iPhone, Android, or my iPad? And regardless I mean, of price point, that's the yeah. other issue. On the mobile space, they announced uh, just before we recorded this a few days before the uh, 3DS XL, right. which is a supersized fat 3DS with a bigger screen. You knew it was coming. And <laughs> they're just not doing as well in that, in that respect on the mobile because they're getting killed by 
smartphones and oh, tablets yeah. because they've caught up. I mean, I've got now a Samsung Galaxy Tab 2. This is a 1.2 gigahertz tablet with a dual core processor that puts it on the that's that's a that's a gaming machine right there. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it yeah. runs. Uh, I'm playing on it the uh, the Dead Space game, and uh, it's just the same as an experience on a portable console. And Nintendo just refuses to move into this space. They had. Uh, sometime last year, shareholders demanding like, hey, release your stuff on iOS. There's a huge market there. They said no. A few months ago, we had a situation where there was somehow this fake Pokemon app that got mm-hmm. through on the App Store. Yeah, and, I remember that, yeah. And it instantly became the top-selling title. What does that say to you? It says that people are so... Um, well, they're chumps, but <laughs> they're also so willing to play Pokemon that they would buy a fake app on iOS. Yeah. A lot of games that have been on the 3 uh, the 3DS and the DS have transitioned over to, you know, third-party games that tr- transitioned over to the uh, the iPad and other other mobile and vice uh, devices versa. and and they have done gangbusters on yeah, that system. But systems. Nintendo just re- it's like, well, Neo, tell me from from mm. your from your business experience, how would you describe a company that has a completely untapped market in front of it that they could do well in yet that they refuse to explore? Oh, pride. Yep. Company pride is one of the biggest killers of corporations. What did, what did mean, Marcellus Wallace say? <laughs> well, I'm not even talking about Marcellus Wallace, but I mean, I'm just talking in general that, and, you know, I'm not wishing this on Nintendo, but mm-hmm. I think in five years we're going to see a very different company than what we see now because, the you know, it gets to a point of why not get. 60% of the money for something out there instead of not getting any of it. I mean, the fact that, okay, I understand Apple, Android, they're going to take a piece, blah, blah, blah. But you know what? The, like Chris just said, you know, you had a fake Pokemon app that went crazy. People wanted this stuff. And the fact that they're too prideful that they want to get all the money, they want all the control, and blah, 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 they want it on their hardware, it's going to be the death of them. And, and if you don't provide it, people will get it because uh, I, I'm sure it's not on the App Store, but on Google Play, the Google Play Store, there are tons of emulators on there. Oh, yeah. yeah. For Super NES, Genesis, yeah. NES, Game Boy, GBA. If you don't provide that service to people who would be willing to pay for it at a reasonable price, mm-hmm. they will pirate it. And there are tons of emulators. You don't have to go very far on Google Play to find an emulator. I mean, people... people I, I know this, so... People, people I'm just saying joking. I know this. Well-researched? <laughs> yes. Well, people are joking that Nintendo is going to end up being like Sega and making games for other, for other consoles. Well, the funny thing or, is... It's Nintendo probably going to happen. Nintendo said before the Wii's launch, when there was all this similar apprehension about where the company was going, mm-hmm. uh, Satoru Iwata said that... Um, they will never be a company that makes games for somebody else and that they will go out of business before they make games for anybody else. Wow. Welcome, welcome so, to because I, mean, I have a crazy idea because mm-hmm. I, I just don't see Nintendo surviving this next generation as a hardware okay. manufacturer. So I was having this conversation with Pedro and follow, me, follow along with me on this. Right. Yeah. The only way I see Nintendo surviving as a company is if they get bought out yeah, by takeover. someone. Mm-hmm. Not hostile takeover, but uh, they get bought out by someone and in this case, I think the best choice for them would be Disney. Yeah. Wow. You don't think you don't think Apple would be interested in uh or, or would be a, a well although you know Apple Apple doesn't have the no. infrastructure to do it. Apple yeah. has made it cl- very clear that they don't care about 
gaming hardware and yeah. going in that direction because mm-hmm. look Apple, at all the money they make on the app store. Yeah, they're, they're making, they're making else hand over yeah. fist. They're making, what, 30% on, 30% on all? 30% on app sales. Yeah, they, so they why also, even bother with that? You, you have, you're getting, see, that, that's, that's an example of a, you know, I know we can say what we want about Apple and stuff like yeah. that, but that shows you a very smartly run company that they're realizing we'd rather take a little bit, you know, <laughs> take a cut and get a little bit of that, of that market thing than put our, all the risk and onus on our own and try to do everything. I know we can go on about Apple with their other things that they've done, but on that instance, they're being the smart company on this. They don't yeah. want to get to that. They also ventured into gaming in the early 90s with the Pippin, and it failed miserably, so maybe that's yeah. also a so tale. So here's, here's my crazy idea. So th- consider this. And if anyone thinks this is crazy, you know, how crazy did it sound four years ago when uh, Disney bought Marvel? Yeah. Oh, no. Not, it, 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 was, it was wild at the time. But, but it made perfect sense. So yeah. Look at this, which makes even more sense. Disney and Nintendo are both companies that have very, very carefully cultivated uh, images as being family companies. Mm-hmm. So they have lots of crossover appeal. Uh, there's a lot of Disney stuff on Nintendo systems, you know, like, for example, Epic Mickey being... Uh, we exclusive for the first game. Right. You have that long-term connection way back in the old days, all of those Capcom Disney games that came out oh, yeah. for Nintendo systems. Um, consider this also, from a multimedia perspective, Nintendo has some of the most well-known characters created ever, yet the only franchise that's being exploited right now in multimedia is Pokemon. Yep. Think of a Disney-owned Nintendo that puts out Mario and Kirby cartoons on the Disney Channel and, say, Zelda and Metroid cartoons on Disney XD right? and makes direct-to-video movies because as well-known as Mario is, the last time we had a Mario cartoon was over 20 years ago when there was a crappy tie-in cartoon for Mario World. Yeah, yeah, that, that wasn't all that. <laughs> and Zelda had that so-so little portion of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And then later on in Captain N. Oh, man. And- yeah, so... Disney, they take over Nintendo, make them abandon hardware, they put their crap on iOS and Android, they're selling stuff, they're making console games for Sony and Nintendo, you got multimedia projects, the merchandising, if anyone's a master merchandising, it's Disney. Disney, yeah. They 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 set the example. They would have the merchandising for Nintendo to ridiculous levels. And then, of (laughs) course, most importantly, not most importantly, but uh, big point, theme parks. Yes. Imagine if you had a Super Mario Land at Magic Kingdom oh and you God. had rides, you had, you know, pipes everywhere, you had people in Mario costumes. What little kid would not want to beg their parent to take them to the to Mushroom Disney Kingdom to go, to go see Mickey Mouse and Mario together? Yeah. Or, ax- or actually, even more than that, all the 30 and 40 year old Mario fanboys that would that be too. there. Lock stepping, you know. Yeah, and there's then as generations far as that games, have grown up with those IPs, exactly. and they could be doing so much more with them. It's ridiculous. Imagine if you cross pollinate a game. We've already seen that um, Kingdom Hearts was a success for Disney and Square. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you had that with Disney Nintendo characters, like say a brawl game with Disney people in it. Woo! You know, or a Mario Kart game with Disney people in it, or both of those games with Disney and Marvel people in it. Wow. <laughs> or imagine, if you will, Nintendo making uh, Disney's movie games. So instead of being crappy tie-ins, you'd have something great. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if Nintendo made a Pixar game? 
that would be something else. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, too, because you say this, and I know a lot of people, when they listen to this, they'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're saying that, blah, blah, blah. Disney well, sucks. <laughs> it, 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 it's funny how, you know, that was all the, the thing when uh, Marvel was bought by Disney a couple years ago, and now it's like you don't even hear any of that crap anymore. Because... No, it was a good investment, and it's paid oh, off. Yeah. And I think it would similarly pay off because... I, Five billion dollars, and they got a movie that what generated like uh, over a billion already. Jeez, man. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very clear that the change that's needed for Nintendo to survive is not going to come from within. Yeah. It needs to come from outside of having someone like Disney or somebody else coming in and imposing all these changes and saying, "Hey, you, you, this, this old guard, you're out. You know, we're going to put Miyamoto in charge of everything, like the way um, John Lasseter was put in charge of all creative at Disney. Yeah, at Disney. Well, you know, it, it, that it, could be. Could be great, but probably will never happen. But see, I don't see. I don't know about the. Uh, I don't know too much about like when it comes to the Japanese culture. When it comes to being a shareholder, because in America, if something like this was going on, you you probably pretty much would have a shareholder revolt. Yeah. And I just don't know the way that the you know you see the Japanese people. They're usually good. You know, they don't want to cause any waves, and they're kind of status quo and all this other stuff. I don't know, and I don't know what the makeup is when it comes to uh, Nintendo. I don't know about Japanese business law and you know yeah. how that works and how much power shareholders but, but, have over no, there. I mean, mm-hmm. Something like that is what would have to save them because yeah. right now it's just, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to be the the doomsayer, but I'm, I'm with Chris <laughs> on this one. I, I, I really... I really don't see this being their finest moment, and I think in you know in a few years we're going to see them as a as a very different company. Now they're going to struggle during this next generation. It's clear. It's, yeah, it's I think, clear. I think the Wii U is the most uninspiring kind. lineup ever. Yeah, uh, it, it, I, it, struggling is being very kind <laughs> because they're they're already financially hemorrhaging money like crazy. Yeah, and here's so. here's another point. Um, Nintendo, ever since the N64, has just been absolutely horrible when it comes to working with third parties on home consoles. They seem to do it okay with their portable ones, but Mm -hmm. they just can't keep third parties there. Look at how you had all of these third parties making games uh, for the Wii early on. Then they all got burned because they didn't sell, so now they've abandoned the system. The only company that really made money on that system was probably Ubisoft, which is why they're back in the horse for the Wii U themselves right now. And with Nintendo, um, they have a lot of franchises, but they've kind of gotten lazy. They haven't created any new franchises mm-hmm. on Wii, really. They have all of these stupid Wii Sports and Wii Fit and all this crap. And they're not using the franchises they have now. Why didn't we get, for example, an F-Zero game in this generation on the Wii? No kidding. Like I, I go back and I look at Nintendo's original lineup for the SNES. To this day, that's still the most banging lineup they've ever had for a system. And I, I look back at that and say, and, and say, why don't they use that as an example? That's yeah. one of the most successful launches of a system in, in video game history. Yeah, why uh, why didn't we get something like uh, a Star Fox game this generation? I mean a real Star Fox game. Yes. I, it it, you know, it boggles you, my mind. You can't build the success of an entire uh, console's life cycle on just Mario and Zelda. Well, I mean, I think... I think as successful as those games are, yeah. you, you cannot build no, I, your entire console on that. I, I, I agree with you, but they're, once again, they're, it's the typical Japanese business short-sightedness of, oh, this has worked, we can do it on the cheap, mm-hmm. um, and, it's you know... It's the same, th- because now still, we're getting... We're getting built tons an audience. of yeah. New Super Mario Brothers games because uh, as much as I like some New Super Mario Brothers, 
I, I like the 3D games. I love both of the Galaxy games. I think Mario Galaxy 2 is one of the best Mario games ever made, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it was way outsold by New Super Mario Bros. Wii. So now we've got a New Super Mario Bros. on um, the 3DS and a new one for the Wii, and they're very samey looking. They look, oh. exact, they look pretty much exactly like the, the original DS one and the Wii one. Well, the people that have the buying power are those who grew up with the original 8-bit Mario, so they, want to want to, they kind of want to relive that whole, um, that whole type of Mario game. I know, and, but... And it'll, I, be, it'll be at least the next generation before we see mm. people feel the same way about Mario 64. They, they might. They might. My point they is that those, yeah. I have no problem with 2D games. I love 2D Mario games, but Absolutely. Those, the new Mario games are all very samey looking, and Nintendo's admitted it. Like, oh, yeah. this, is what, this is what works, so we're just going to keep it that way because people expect it to look this way. Well... That's a bad That's approach. Very, it's like people expect it to look this way is not a very um, good Forward approach thinking. to making a game. Yeah. No, not by far. Uh, I, we talked quite a bit about Nintendo. Any last words <laughs> about no. Nintendo before we move on? Well, we'll make this last Fire part. Fire and Brimstone. <laughs> Fire and Brimstone. <laughs> well, I mean, the only thing that I would say is it's, it's, it's kind of sad to see once very dominant companies uh, fall because of incompetence with their management and leadership, mm-hmm. and I mean J- Nintendo is not the first example of this. I mean we're we're seeing it. Same could be said about Sony, which I think is a good segue because yeah, yeah. they've got pretty bad management too. Yeah. Well, you know I, it's funny because Sony to me had the best presentation out of all three um, at E3. They they definitely did. I mean they they pretty much they kept it simple, which is to focus on the games themselves and to show what the upcoming games are. And they had the most exclusives for their console. So, um, you know, they just really, to me, had the best showing. Not as much as previous years, but still the strongest one out of the three. And uh, as for their next console, I mean, what are your hopes? And not, not, not that you guys have hopes and dreams, but... <laughs> Ex- expectations, I think, would be the better what, word. What are your expectations for the next console, for the, uh, for the, for the, for the next PlayStation? I uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Sony to consider is Sony's in really bad shape because, you know, they make lots more crap beyond game consoles. Yeah. And they are just losing money left and right. Their TV division is doing horribly. They, um, they just bought out Ericsson on the phone end, so now they fully own their phone division, but oh. their Xperia phones haven't been setting the world on fire. Mm-hmm. And they totally, they totally mangled this whole thing of the PlayStation Certified of, oh, you can play PS1 games on your phone, but it doesn't match up with PSN. So you, if you bought this game, if you bought Final Fantasy VII on uh, the PSN, you got to buy it all over again for your Xperia phone. Wow, that's dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, great, great job there, Sony. Talk about synergy and 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 you know working <laughs> together with all your different divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read a story that Sony is considering investing over six hundred million dollars into Olympus. So we have a company Ooh, that's yeah. hemorrhaging money left and right that wants to invest money into a company that allegedly embezzled tons of money to the yakuza and covered it up. Oh the, my God! Ben, who's ben, basically the Enron of Japan, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and yeah. fired their Gaijin CEO when he uncovered it and confronted them about it. Yeah. That is nuts. Yeah, it's like, come on, Sony. What? <laughs> I don't think you need to have uh, a couple of MBAs to know that's probably not the best of decisions. You know, whatever technology Olympus has, that's great in the camera in the camera world. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a really badly run company. <laughs> But it's not worth it's not worth all the all the lawsuits that are probably going to be coming down from all of this stuff. So 
I mean, because you're going to yeah. have shareholder lawsuits and everything. And yeah, I mean, I think of of the three gaming companies when it comes to the consoles right now, mm-hmm. Sony's in a position where they can still wait. They can wait the longest before they release something because you know, with their machine, it's it's the youngest, but it uh, it also it always seems like it's got a little bit. It still has more uh, to be tapped than the other ones. Now, are they able to tap it? That's going to be the biggest thing. But I, I yeah. think they, they can wait and see a little bit more than the two other companies because, I mean, Nintendo, Nintendo had to come out this year. And, you know, Microsoft, well, I mean... <laughs> that, that, old girl's, that old girl's due for refresh. We'll get to that in a minute. For, for the yeah. PS4, I'm just going to call it that. Yeah, whatever it's um, called. There have been rumors that Sony is moving away from cell architecture, which the presumption is if they do that, it would not be backwards compatible with the PS3. So mm-hmm. that would be a big problem for me and a lot of people, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, the more recent releases of the PS3 are already not compatible with, uh, with the previous generations. I own, I own a PS3 Slim. Not so. hardware-wise, yeah, but software-wise, yeah. yes. But I've got something like... I've got more, like nearly 30 games on the ps3 right i don't want to go and rebuy them all on the yeah. ps4 as digital downloads so um i'm pretty sure whatever they do with their next system which they did say will have optical drive it'll be blu-ray of course of so course. at the very least my blu-ray library will be intact <laughs> um I'm hoping they learn some of the lessons of how badly they bungled the ps3's launch mm-hmm. and that a they don't go with something that's uber expensive, which wouldn't be the case now that uh, Blu-ray is a mature technology. Yeah. They're... Uh, B, don't arrogantly assume that they'll just be on top regardless of how expensive their stuff is just because their last stuff was popular. Yes. Just do a better job of marketing because the, the PS3's marketing was atrocious. Like, <laughs> at the start, you know I'm talking about, that that yeah. demon baby. Yeah. Yes, yes, I, I remember that. It just it, that turned more people off than on. <laughs> Well, it's like you said, they were arrogant. I mean, PS2 was a freaking runaway success. Everyone had one, and they just felt that we have a built-in audience. They're going imme- they're immediately going to move on to us because you know they're going to equate PS3 to PS2, and and so and they we, said we arrogant can do stuff like to- no matter how expensive it is, people will people will save yeah. up for it. Like, well, but you said that, and you know, this is like a year before the recession starts. Not the best sort of sentiment to have so yeah. i mean that was true during the dreamcast uh playstation 2 era a lot of people didn't even get the dreamcast or even consider it because they knew the ps2 was right around the corner saved up their dollars and got it so I, I, they're probably basing their opinions on that well, uh, ps3 that, not that, so that, much that's because the that's because sega was stupid and didn't put dvd player in it yeah that's that's why people i mean it wasn't necessarily the price on that aspect that was we were dumb. Sega was dumb, and we're not going to put a uh, DVD player. Well, but PS2 there was will more to it, it than that. But that 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 yeah. well, let's not get into that whole yeah. thing. But Plus, um, Sega's Sega's uh, legacy up to that point as well also screwed that system. But anyway. what uh, what Sony has done on on and this is a plus for them and against Nintendo is that Sony has successfully maintained a mix of exploiting old IP as well as creating new ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, God of War has been around for a long time on the PS2, but it's still popular now. They're still making games for it. Um, Ratchet & Clank is from the PS2, still making games for it. Killzone started out there, but it's still very popular now. But then they've introduced new IP like Uncharted, 
mm-hmm. which has become very popular. So that's what you kind of have to do, and that's what Nintendo stuff. used to do. They yeah. would create new franchises every generation and mix it up with the old ones, uh, but they kind of stopped doing that with the Wii, whereas Sony has been consistently mixing it up. They've been bringing back old franchises like uh, Twisted Metal and Wipeout, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. you know, and that's the way you kind of have to do it. So that's definitely a plus in um, Sony's corner. What I don't also see how that's going to turn out for them is the Vita because the sales for that have not exactly set the world on fire. Right. So I think it's pretty much a given that the PS4 and the Xbox 720 just to use temporary names will probably launch next year. Mm-hmm. But um, I just don't know how Sony's going to do. I mean, financially, yes, they do have some serious problems with all these other aspects of the company, but I think they're better situated than Nintendo, although... Probably not by that much. Well, from what I've read about what they financially with them, it seems that they just need new management on their divisions. And Sony's, I think Sony's in a position, just from the things that I've looked at, that if they were to get uh, a new focus or anything like that, they could get a, it. They might have a couple of quarters that may not be good, but they could they could rebound very quickly because they still have pretty. They still have a lot of core products that are still very. They do, popular, but they don't. So. They don't really work together very well. I mean, yeah. all these divisions are kind of at each other's throat. Like for example, <laughs> yeah. you know, having like I said with the Xperia, not having it work with the games yeah, you've bought on PSN. That's stupid. You know, Sony they own a record label. They own a TV and movie studio. Mm-hmm. You know they have, but they haven't managed. They haven't leveraged all of these different assets that they have to make a cohesive ecosystem. And good God, do I sound so like Bloomberg having said uh-huh. that? But, <laughs> but it's true. It's very, it's, it's true. It's, yeah. You know they, they let it out, dude. Of, they have all of these assets <laughs> in all of these disparate locations that they haven't been able to bring together to make something cohesive. And I think they're trying to do that, but they're not. They haven't nailed it yet. And and that's what. You know, and that's what the market's wanting. I mean, look at look at Apple. Apple, the way the re- the reason why <laughs> Apple's successful is because all their products are cohesive. I mean, everything you know, iPhone to iPad to MacBook through iTunes, all this stuff. I mean, it is. Oh, it's I'm all not iTunes one- on Windows. That's on Windows. That's for sure. Oh, that's, <laughs> oh boy, that's a piece I'm, of crap. I'm, I'm, I'm talking their products. I'm not. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm, yes, I'm talking, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I just had to get a little dig in there because iTunes on oh, Windows yeah, sucks. Of course. Oh, it's, yeah. It no, is I, terrible. Same. Well, uh, speaking of cohesive, I know that Microsoft they're they're trying to go that route with uh, the Xbox 360 and 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 they've been trying to do it over the last couple of years. I I don't know why Sony, being that the multimedia uh, juggernaut that it is, hasn't done that yet. But uh, Microsoft is. Made several attempts to to kind of streamline all their all their products to work with each other, and <laughs> not not that the works always in execution. But <laughs> well, you know, if if we're moving now into Xbox, uh-huh. uh, I think that Microsoft uh, so far I think is the best positioned in the next generation. It's yes, that's crazy. I know for me to say since, no, no know. doubt. I'm I'm in, I'm in shock right now. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, uh-huh. Microsoft clearly does not have a great history with hardware. Mm-hmm. You don't have to look very far to see the failures of the Zune, the Zune or even worse, the Kin. Oh, yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Which brings a new level of failure to failure. <laughs> right, that what thing that? bombs so badly. For, for what, three weeks or something like that? Well, about I mean, two it was, months. Yeah. It bombs it was, as bad as the Virtual Boy. <laughs> yeah, well... The thing is, but this was much more hyped. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, the Kin was sort of like a sort of like social kind of semi-retarded phone. 
And it was heavily marketed to teens as like a semi-retarded phone for teens mm-hmm. with heavy social stuff. But it was all done through this Kin website that, that Microsoft had. This thing failed uh, within two months. So it got pulled. And then they sort of rejiggered it. And they put out a firmware update that downgraded it to a totally dumb phone. And they put it out as a cheap dumb phone with none of the smartphone features. So this thing was an abject failure. If you're a tech head, then you probably know about um, this courier tablet that they had designed a few years ago before the iPad. That would have been a dual screen tablet. Yes, yes. I, but I, it was I killed. Call it. Yeah, it was killed off because of uh, big surprise internal political divisions between <laughs> their various departments. Because the Windows division wanted to make their own tablets on uh, Windows 8, and they didn't care about this other project, and then the office team didn't care about it either, so because those two divisions carry so much weight, they killed this project. So the only success that Microsoft has in the hardware world is the Xbox. Yeah. And I think they finally realized that because they've rebranded Zune Music as Xbox Music. Yep, exactly. And their video offerings, it wouldn't surprise me if they branded them as Xbox, Xbox Video. video. <laughs> so one sign that I see somewhat as encouraging is um, have you guys did you guys see the Microsoft Surface the tablet? I did see that. Oh, and yeah. and and it failing at at some point. Every, they, well, the, every the everything does. about that. Uh, yeah, everything yeah. fails. During yeah, yeah. They they always they always have technical they always have technical issues during the it's you have to expect it at this point. <laughs> so you got this thing that's a pretty snazzy looking tablet mm-hmm. that has a built-in kickstand and it has a cover that also functions as a keyboard. Yep. Wow. And obviously they're going to be Windows 8 um, devices and they look pretty damn nice and looks like Microsoft definitely put some thought into this hardware so they are definitely going towards the unified multimedia device because the xbox um is used more now for entertainment than it is for for games yeah at my job i talked to more people wanting to get their system connected to uh, apps like netflix and hbo go than i do helping them just get it on for gaming (laughs) nowadays now i have a question though with that that's Uh that's all well and good but do you still see them still charging for xbox live that's a good question. I still because think because the the biggest issue that I've always had with this is I have both systems. I have Xbox and PlayStation. The, the thing that always is bizarre to me is the fact that to you know to get they they would announce things and be like, oh, now you can do this or Facebook or Netflix and stuff on your Xbox Live, but you Which have to have the gold, gold membership to right. do it. And I still don't. I remember when P- I mean, Chris remembers this, and everybody had a PS3 when PSN was down. I was still able to stream Netflix on there because yeah. it's completely separate. So, I not, I, not I, all I, applications are because I'm, I'm, I'm wondering I'm wondering how that yeah, but I mean stuff like that though. I'm wondering how this is going to work because I think they will because there's just too much money in it for them. And also, the be, thing yeah. about PSN being free, the reason that that happens is because. Um, Sony charges the developers right. to uh, put their stuff on there. So in the end, that cost kind of gets passed on to the consumer based on how you know um, these companies charge right. their prices how, for how, what they're selling. How, how do you want to hide the cost? I mean, it, yeah, how do you want to hide the cost? It's, it's, so it's, it's the same thing with the airlines now, where you can get a twenty nine dollar fare 
you know, but when you go there, they charge you 10 bucks to check in. They charge you for baggage. They charge you for this and that. So they charge you for the, the end, seat. They charge. Yeah. yeah so it's not, just, not, yeah, you, you're paying the same amount. Not so. only that, but, um, I'd recently, I guess EA announced that they are stopping server, um, uh, server availability for their older games, like the older, but they do that. Stuff they like do that. that pretty regularly. Like yeah. every, like every year they go out and they clean sweep. Like, okay, here's some old crap. We're not going to support anymore. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Microsoft is, and I think this is a good move, is that uh, supposedly after this year, they're transitioning out of banana money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that'll hopefully lead to uh, you know more realistic and feasible pricing for stuff because you don't have the situation where you keep buying all of these points that don't quite match up with the way things are priced, which we've discussed in the past. Right. So, points, man, I've had that for five years. Damn 20 even, points. <laughs> even though for all of the people who complain about Xbox Live, you can't underestimate the, um, the power of the concept of bitch and buy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love the fact that, that there's someone that has the answer for that for their servers being down. And I've had um I, I've gotta say I haven't had that too many experiences on Xbox Live where I couldn't access it. You know, there'll be days where they do maintenance and they announce it well in advance before they do it. But um, you know, I I like someone to answer the, for, they, for the service not being there because I'm paying. Right, but they're the so service. far they're so far ahead because they were you know, they had a plan when it came to the online stuff because they worked out all the bugs on the Xbox. Yeah. And then when they went to three sixty, they you know, a lot of that initial problems that you would have with the online infrastructure, they had kind of already ironed out. So Which is what Sony's in the middle of doing yeah. now because they're a generation behind on Absolutely. trying to figure out online. And they've done I mean, the, the PSN has come a long way in six years. Because yeah. yeah. I remember when it started off six years ago, it was a total useless piece of garbage. <laughs> I mean, hell, even, even the PS3 has come a long way in six years with more updates. Because back at launch, you couldn't even do stuff like bring up the XMB in-game. Oh, wow. Get out of town. I didn't know that. Wow. Yes, you, it was impossible. You couldn't even do it. I missed it out on all that awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So, Xbox, I think, is positioned to to be a leader for multimedia. And despite you know people having to pay for for live, you know the sales of downloadable items on 360 is a lot higher than on PS3. Yeah. Oh, and I was just wondering though, because you know we we do live in a price sensitive culture, and even more so now. So I was just kind of wondering um, how that would work, and if. You know, my my interesting thing would be too is the how if the pricing is going to go up, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that would be the interesting thing about that. Because you know, in the end, if you really look about it, even though PSN's free, I mean, fifty nine dollars a year that's not much. You know, that that's so well, it's, it's spread out like, over over the course yeah. of a year, and there's also um, so. you know this issue of convenience for people that there's a certain amount of pain people are willing to take. Mm-hmm. for uh, something that they want to do easily. Like how many people, if they could feasibly have some piece of crap repaired, instead of bothering to do that, they'll just go buy something new. Yeah, do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. people are just willing to pay a premium for something that they want to do right now. And if people want to play games with their friends you know, on a system that's very popular, they'll pay for it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, actually, I actually wonder if they'll just get rid of 
uh, silver or maybe give it give it a few extra things to make it a little bit more attractive. I think or, they have well, to because silver's mm-hmm. pretty useless right now as is. Yeah. Well, so they 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 rebranded it. They called it Xbox Free Free now. So it's it's not even called silver anymore. But, well, um, I, but I think I, mean, I think I think uh, there, there's rumors about really, them rolling out. It's really Xbox useless because you. I mean, <laughs> all you see is your friends online. It's yeah. about it. I mean, well, there, there's, you also you can also do a direct chat on silver or free, um, but you can't do you can't do cross game chat. So um, that's that's one of the other differences. But um, there's been a rumor for a long time that they're going to roll out something called Xbox Platinum, which is going to give you some of the abilities that uh, PlayStation Plus gives you, where you get to play some games for free uh, until that subscription runs out, and then you know you go back to to gold. That, that could status. work. Yeah. I also want to make a brief mention of uh, the Smart Glass yeah, initiative they announced at uh, E3 of mm-hmm. tying together content on your console and your tablet and your phone. I think that yeah. could be something that works. Yeah. I mean, Sony is similar position. They could do that. They've got their own line of smartphones, but mm-hmm. they're not exploring that, so that's yeah. their loss. Um, the so what do you guys think about that? The Smart Glass, I, I like it for the Internet Explorer 10 feature. I think that they finally the system finally having an ability to browse the internet with a with a tablet or a smartphone I think is really cool and uh, I'm looking forward to that. How it applies to gaming, the only application I've seen so far with it between that and the game that I liked was uh, Madden. And I don't even, I don't even play Madden, but the fact that you can draw up your own plays, I think that's cool for anybody who plays that game all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean the thing is is that's that's kind of the future when it comes to your devices. You want to be able to. Uh, with all your devices. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as stupid, as stupid as it sounds, that's what it is. Yeah. It is. And it is. It is. People want that. And I mean, I want that. People pay for convenience. On an iPhone, you're able to get that uh, Xbox Live app on your phone. I mean, where you can. Now, I, I do have to dump on Microsoft for, for a minute here. Uh oh. Uh oh. We knew it was coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, Sobro, um, mm-hmm. looking forward to upgrading your phone since you can't get a Windows Phone 8 update on your phone oh man well i mean even so i mean the smart glass is supposed to allow me to be able to still use my current phone with that yeah but, but you um, ain't getting windows phone 8 no no i'm not the next smartphone i get is an iphone i'm done <laughs> I'm there you go here you up. go folks i got to i got to the, the the apps on that system is too plentiful but uh that's another story for another day actually there's <laughs> i think there's more on android than there is on iphone really well, we're, we're not gonna getting, get into that but yeah. anyway yeah. But I think that's I think that's the case. Yeah. That's a story for another for another day. But one thing that I've had as a criticism of Microsoft since the beginning, since the original system, is yeah. they've really failed at establishing a diverse collection of franchises. Yeah, they have no IPs virtually. <laughs> I mean, okay, they've got Halo, but just as I said earlier with Nintendo, just like how Nintendo can't base their entire system success on Mario and Zelda, mm-hmm. you can't base an Xbox success solely off of Halo. And there's a big question mark about Halo now that Bungie is out of the picture. Yeah. Or Gears. What they showed for Halo 4 was kind of strong, though. I, I, I did like the demo for that, but I don't know what else to expect from that game. Uh, By the same token, though, from, from what I've played of the past Halo games, uh, I didn't really see them evolving that much from the no. first game. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much the same. So there's only so far that you can take a sci-fi FPS and that's obviously their big franchise, but in everything else they're lacking. I mean, look look back in the Xbox and their uh, laughable attempts to make a cartoony mascot with uh, blinks. blinks. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah. Blinks. They, they, they wanted to have their own like Mario slash Sonic type character, so they they tried to force it to be Blinks the Time Sweeper, and that didn't work out well for them. I mean, you could count them count on both hands how many uh, how many current IPs they've got going. I mean, besides uh, Halo, you've got uh, Gears of War. Well, got, Gears yeah. Gears is not Microsoft. They have <laughs> publishing rights, but they don't mm-hmm. own. The yeah, IP. they don't own it. So you think That's it, owned it, it by might, Apple. That's true. You think it might branch out to other consoles then eventually? There might be some exclusivity agreement, like maybe yeah. five, ten years, and then eventually it'll go some other direction. But that's not something that they own, so they can't yeah. fully control that. That's unreal. You know, and there could be some kind of contract break between them and Epic in the future. Who knows? The Epic, point is yeah. that's not one of their franchises. So they've got they got Halo, they got Fable, which uh, been pretty inconsistently received among fans. Yeah. Some have Forza. been liked, some have been disliked. Especially Forza. And Peter Molyneux's Forza, that's right. Forza, well, Peter Molyneux's gone from... Yeah, uh, that, that, that's what I was going to mention. Peter Molyneux's no longer with uh, that development group, so if anything, I don't know where that series is even going. Um, what else? Is Project Gotham... Um, is that Microsoft? No. No, I believe... I forget what company does that, but uh, it's not Microsoft. Wait, wait. Project Gotham, I think, is. It might it might have been exclusive. I don't know. I don't know if it was just exclusivity agreement or something they actually own. Yeah, anyway. I, don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what else have they got other than Forza? And got a, they, and, they announced a couple new IPs, like Ascend they, New Gods well, and Local Cycle. But he's saying what's current, though. What's current? Well, I'm just, I'm just adding to the... In, in the, the last 11 years, what have, what have they developed other than Fable, Forza, and Halo <laughs> that they wholly own? Not much. That's three. Exactly. That's only three. That's pretty bad. Which they have to compensate for by trying to get third-party exclusives, which in this generation have ended because they started off having Bioshock and Mass Effect, and mm-hmm. now they don't have those anymore as exclusives. And you know they, they've still got their little exclusive time DLC stuff with Call of Duty and Bethesda stuff, but I don't see that lasting forever either. So they've really, really failed in that respect, and that's the one major downside I see for Microsoft is just not having... Um, that uh, stable of of homegrown IPs because a lot of the games people talk about that they play on their 360s are multi-platform games, mm-hmm. yeah. which Microsoft may not care about because they could point to the fact that the 360 um, outsells the PS3 in America by more than double, right. even though the PS3 outsells the 360 worldwide. Yeah, <laughs> but in America, which is now pretty much the top market for games, they way outsell the PS3 and always have. So it may be a problem that they just don't give two craps about. <laughs> well, hopefully they start to care because uh, it, it'll eventually add up in the end. Yeah. Um, there's, only, there's only so many third-person action games and FPS games that you can play before you want some more variety. Yeah, the, before the genre itself blows itself out, uh, as genres tend to do after a while. But um, I guess before we close out this segment, any, any, any last speculations for the, the consoles coming out um, uh, next, the next gen consoles from from the big two that haven't announced their consoles yet. Any anything at all? Um, I, I think I I just think that the connectivity issue with other devices is probably going to be the number one driver for what both of them do, and we can already see that with Xbox, and you're probably going to see that with PlayStation. I know PlayStation was kind of mum on some of their stuff, but which is fine, but I think that that's going to be the big thing, because that's kind of where the dip market is dictating this stuff to go. Speaking of connectivity, <laughs> uh, let me also take a moment to shit on Connect. Oh, man. Dance mm. which, which I have just found to be <laughs> stupid and useless. And uh, while it has sold a lot of units, 
I don't know if in the long run Microsoft going after that uh, non-gamer crowd like Nintendo did mm-hmm. is the best idea. No, it's not. It's going to bite them in the ass just like it did Nintendo. Because pretty much all the Kinect games that I've seen come out so far are useless dancing or minigame collections or stupid exercising games. I'll be honest with you. I think with um, I think Microsoft probably knew that in the end. I, I honestly think it was just a way of getting one last push of a mature of a mature product. And Possibly, but according to that uh, that leaked document mm-hmm. of the 720, uh, it will bundle in a Connect allegedly. Well, if yeah. it bundles it in, I mean, it can only it could maybe it can only be better. I don't know. You know, I it's, think, it's, I, if, I think the technology has potential when it comes to the how it interfaces with the system menus and and things like that. When it, it can add to the experience, but to have games based on just that sole experience have been pretty lackluster. And um, well, if you have the ability to not play the game, mm-hmm. to play or play without the connect, I think that that's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they're able to. If they're able to make it better, because we've all seen how awful it is. It, it takes you 20 minutes to calibrate that damn system. <laughs> and, it, I mean, it it, it it was just a quick fix, I believe, just to sell more units. And if you want to see how how problematic that, that accessory is, just look on any website for the universally atrocious reviews for the new Steel Battalion game. Woo! Yeah. Wow. Which all I've seen, uh, Destructor, they gave it a 3 out of 10. Polygon mm-hmm. gave it a 1 out of 10. I think Joyce gave it a 2 out of 5. Pretty much every review says almost the exact same thing, that the controls are completely broken and horribly useless. God damn. <laughs> and this is a bizarre game that uses both the 360 controller and Kinect. Oh, no. <laughs> and it apparently is just a completely unworkable best. So uh, great job there, Capcom. Oh, well, remember remember the first uh, one on Xbox? It took forever just to start the stupid thing. <laughs> God. At least at least you had that cool two hundred dollar controller to look at. Yeah, <laughs> no saving. <laughs> yeah, no saving. Well, Woo! good luck getting out of the first level. <laughs> I know I, one prediction I have is um, is, is uh, since we already know that we're not going to be able to download. Um, Pretty much, it's not going to be a download-only system when it comes to digital media. It's it's going to have um, media that we can buy for it at stores. But I do predict that used games will not be playable on these consoles without paying some kind of tribute to the companies uh, that that are owed. Uh, I think that every game we buy for those new consoles are going to be tied to either our ID or gamer tag. Probably. uh, And I I think that the reason why is because these companies are, are trying to take out GameStop one way or the other and um yet they constantly rely upon gamestop yeah (laughs) and they give them like exclusive items for pre-order it's a very bizarre relationship kind of like how it's abusive apple keeps suing samsung yet they keep buying parts from them for all of their devices it's a very bizarre relationship well i I think a lot of it comes down to of you know and i don't know how many people know about this but when it comes i believe the, the video game industry is financially a lot weaker than it's portrayed especially with like the american developers and even a lot of the stuff in europe and stuff because they get a lot of they're heavily subsidized Mm -hmm. and i mean i was reading an article in the new york times about a year ago talking about the fastest growing uh subsidized industry in america is the video game industry because they use these weird things with like art and stuff they can use 
they can get art subsidies and there's well, look all at kinds uh, of look at 38 studios for an example yeah. of bad subsidizing yeah very, so, very bad subsidizing so i think i think it's one of those issues that we see with the tech industry in general is you have a lot of people that have a lot of great ideas but just can't run anything the way a business needs to be run and um you know they and they have too much control at times but uh yeah i, I would probably agree with you i think you're going to have uh, the end of the used uh the, the used game market but yeah, ea and activision are already doing it and they're two of the biggest game companies in in the industry so uh, I, i'm sure that everybody's gonna i i honestly think that's going to be part for the course come come the next generation of consoles but but on on the on the other fact, though, I mean, you're still going to have to buy the you, it, the physical games you buy from Best Buy or Amazon, and they'll have sales. So I mean, there you go. So and you know, and it, I guess in the end, it just depends what the discounts are and how much the um, the games are, and, and you got to look at it too. I mean, remember all the times we bought a used game and it had just the game and no instruction book or anything else. <laughs> you kind of get stuck in the end with that if you really think about it. So. <laughs> like damn i can't sell this so my my final prediction on just on hardware is i see nintendo losing but as far as between microsoft and sony who wins that i think is a complete toss-up yeah <laughs> I, I i agree with you there i think um i don't i'm not wishing nintendo to go but i think we might be seeing you all you nostalgia glasses people put your nostalgia glasses on because <laughs> you're, you're gonna need it in a few years because you're the nintendo the nintendo you remember is not going to be the nintendo that's there and yeah, I don't. And don't know. get me wrong. I love Nintendo. I grew up yeah, on Nintendo. Yeah, I've owned every Nintendo home system except for an N sixty four. I want them to succeed, but again, uh, you, know, you want them to get better versus, too. Yeah, you, you, you know the consequences of their bad decisions, or rather, their indecisions, will eventually catch up with them. Yeah, I can yeah. see the frustration on Reggie Fils-Aimé's face. <laughs> I don't want to see anything interviews. in his face because his face is frightening. <laughs> Especially that zombie version. Why the long face? <laughs> so. Oh my god. But um, I guess that's it. Um, <laughs> the future hopefully will be bright, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. But um, Doom we'll and gloom, Doom and fire, fire and brimstone. brimstone. <laughs> Damnation to all! Absolutely. Well, I mean, the the, the only thing, the, the biggest thing that's going to help it is as quickly as the global recession ends. So that that that's going also going to help this industry. So and every other industry. Amen to that. We'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. Hey, Ricky, how you doing? Lee, I see you got everything under control, man. I'm gonna go downstairs and the gun. Damn! What happened to Rain? I can't believe Game and Morpher gave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You can't fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only cover major releases? 
Sure you are. So join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news, big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. I thought they smelled bad on the outside on the subject of Cowboy Bebop. So, but anyway, going back to uh, the good parts that I missed. All right, uh, phase boobs. Phase boobs. <laughs> we I have to say that yet, was but... not a good part for me. That's something I didn't really pay attention to. I enjoyed the boobs. Thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-old uh, adolescent David would like to have an argument with you, ma'am. <laughs> oh, I can see how you would have enjoyed that. Hey, it's just, are you more of a leg person? Is that why you weren't looking at her boobs? Because her <laughs> oh, legs no. are nice too. <laughs> No, it's just that, you see, I have my own set. I really don't need to worry about hers. That's the best argument I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I uh, think that conversation. Seriously, no I'm dumbfounded uh, by that argument. Being... Congratulations, <laughs> you won the show. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Please check our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. This was sleeping with my wife. The goddamn minivan. All right, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and we're closing out episode 104, where we talked about Crossbone Gundam with special guest Amuro NT1. And then we did our predictions of Doom and Gloom for the next generation of console games. So because both of those segments ran pretty long, we're going to be lazy and skip out the voicemails and uh, mailbag questions from Talk again. Oh. But uh, we'll, we'll do more voicemails in the future, probably next episode, to catch up on that. So uh, you can watch for that. And uh, gentlemen, any announcements to make? Nope. Any old business? Any new business? <laughs> well, uh, I, I uh, instead of shoutouts this episode, I'm, a, I'm going to uh, issue out a challenge. Um, we, uh, we here on Gundam have been graced by the presence of the General of Hate on several occasions, and most recently when I was on Chaos Theater, plug, <laughs> I, was, I was joined on Chaos Theater by uh, the other guest on that episode, Austin, and he brought up the fact that he would slaughter me in uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Well, just recently, uh, Fighters Ready just started up a streaming channel on Twitch.tv. You can find it at twitch.tv slash Fighters Ready. We stream games live and um, give commentary over over them and just just have a good time with other gamers and listeners of the of the two podcasts and i am issuing a challenge to the general of hate to finally fight him in marvel versus capcom 2 online on stream where an audience could be there to witness his destruction i've taken off the white glove and i'm slapping him in the face with it your the ball's in your court austin i'll see you there you, you know he doesn't regularly listen to goddamn right oh, well hey, if anything i expect the word to get passed to him because he knows people that do listen and when they hear this, they're going to hear the challenge being issued. Like, so. like me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just tell him. By all means. So you pass the word. And um, if Austin wants to duck me, that's okay. That's all right. I, I'll just I'll take the win. I'll take the win by default. But if he wants to challenge me, he just needs to tell me when and where, and we'll get it done. So, so what type of bet are you guys putting down on this? Oh man, the bet of the general of hate, man. I, I either he loses his title, 
or um or what's it in for him you know that's good that's a good question that's a good question well actually it's 100 bucks originally the bet, both of you guys put up 100 bucks well actually the bet was 50 the bet was 50 dollars. that's what we said in the episode and i'm fine with that i'll put it down 50 so um if he wants to wage if he feels that strong there's a lot of best strong to, uh, uh, no it'd have to be uh best of seven best of seven okay best of seven then. anytime you have a money match if the least it can be is seven so um i'll it, 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 if he if he can get with some of the top players in miami and there's quite a few to, to train him i'll be glad to take him on and um we'll, i guess we'll see what happens but I, i'll put down 50 for that i don't want i don't mind at all Are you doing this online or in person because right. well we can do it because uh, i know if he's coming up anytime soon i'll be glad to do it in person i'd rather do it in person because i don't want some kind of ham and egg or playing for him because i won't be able to see who's playing for him online but uh if I know that AFL Geno would not reduce himself to that sort of trickery. Oh, would he not? He is hateful. Wow. <laughs> he's hateful, but he's not deceitful. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, very true, very true. I'll, I'll give him respect in that in, in that regard. I'll, I will say this: we're having uh, at AFO Anime Festival Orlando this year. We're having a salty suite where uh, we're inviting people to Sounds to come. And, yeah, well, <laughs> we're we're inviting people to uh, to come and uh, to play uh, all sorts of different fighting games. We'll be streaming it, and if he's coming up for Anime Festival Orlando, which I doubt he is but if he is uh we can actually have it there so um i'm open to that idea and having the challenge in person but if not there's always online and streaming so. i will i will help him coordinate an 80s style training montage yes indeed yes indeed rocky <laughs> four man <laughs> hearts on fire <laughs> so which one of you two is 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 drago oh man i, I guess uh i guess i am but I'm winning this fight. So you're the, you're the I'm one winning cheating. this fight. You're the one cheating through steroids and all kinds I'm, of other I'm things. Cheating and... through, I'm cheating through 10 years of playing the game. <laughs> That's my steroid. Fighting sycophants and, and getting used to how that game plays. And, and, so. and, you, and you kill Apollo Creed? Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I must that, break you. That's exactly how this fight's going to turn out. He's going to be the Apollo Creed <laughs> of this fight. So you're going for that You're going for that, that, that uh, <laughs> metaphor rather than rock. Ro- yeah, he can't be Rocky, man, because he ain't winning this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but Austin, ball's in your court. Uh, other than that, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. M-A-H-Q.net. That's the Mecca and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right, it's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear south, Pedro Cortez. And back to you, Chris. All right, uh, gentlemen, any, any last things to say? Nope. Not at all. I'm good to go. All right. Uh, as a final note, um, with the cancellation of Laplace's box, that means that uh, we're not going to be having the episodes hosted on Libsyn for much longer, uh, not beyond the end of this month. So if you want to download any episodes, if you don't have them, if you cleared them out, if you want them, get them now while you can. Maybe we'll do some kind of... Um, package download in the future some kind of zipped up thing somewhere but that hasn't been determined so there's no guarantees of that so go get them while you can and uh by the end of the month there will not be available anymore <laughs> <laughs> that's not too long from now huh get them while they're hot man 
<laughs> yep. And that's it for us. So we will catch you next time. You've been listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Force the alien off of our ship. Lose your taste for combat, my friend. Return to base, Vermilion 3. You've beaten him. Not decisively. Muria will not soon forget this day, Micronian. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. You Shanghai me and wrestling. Adventuring is exactly what thou needst. Needst is not a word. Where we are, it is. Have been recruited to fight in the epic battle of Evermore. Welcome to the fields of Evermore! You guys do actually look slightly badass. Eric's about to level up to Grand Sorcerer. I'm packing an ounce of killer shrooms. And there be monsters in need of pummeling. I'm in. Huzzah!